The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it? it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Hold your insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. All right, the extended cut apparently. Um, I am your host Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can also find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at CB. Oh, excuse me. You can also find me at uh, CB Caps on Instagram. And that sound effect you hear is being provided by no other than our man in Brooklyn, Agent Underscore Seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Indeed. And uh, not with us tonight. And I feel like I need to stop doing this, but not with us tonight. PC and underscore dirt on Twitter, uh, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com. Uh, and his umbrella sites there in. Yeah, and also bite, B Y T E, the new vine replacement. Under, uh, excuse me, he is under comic reviews, no vowels. I was a little quick trigger there. No, 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 it was my fault, because I actually had stopped and forgot, so. Um, also not with us tonight is the Osiris-ish, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account, The Click Nation on Twitter, theclicknation.com, that's D-K-L-I-Q-T-N-A-T-I-O-N, excuse me. Uh, also, uh, Comic Book Resources, where he's over there writing his face off. It would have been nice to have Tim on the show uh, uh, tonight because this really is, as the back of the trade paperback mentions, the first X-Men event. Yeah, him being a, a big X-Men fan. Um, or at least probably the bigger one out of all of us. Oh, no, I was about to say, at least as big as any of us because um, we all have varying degrees. I obviously have a big physical run of X-Men as well. Right. So. Um, but it's, it would be interesting to get his take, and and I, and, and I look forward to maybe reaching out um, behind the scenes to uh, Tim to ask him about this event. So um, sorry to interrupt. Uh, carry on. I oh, know you're good. Yeah, hopefully he'll he'll want to be on the show at some point. Um, but yes, you can find this here podcast on the coast of the podcast networks at cspn.us. To it today. And you can also find this podcast at your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, um, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Tonight, folks, um, we got a treat for you, but instead of me just telling you right now, I will wait till we get to that point. But So first, we will get into the news. Thank <laughs> you. 
And we start off as we do every week about this time with the cinematic news. First up, uh, well, yeah, I guess that was the first one I put in. Batwoman casts uh, Alpha's star as Bruce Wayne. So now the Arrowverse has a Bruce Wayne um, for for some reason. Um, because I guess all bets are off. <laughs> not a day because they did say that they had once upon a time said you know we're not we're not doing any bat batman stuff or anybody who's in the who's had movies blah 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 but you know it is what it is even though green arrow was basically batman so yeah uh and this is kind of a spoiler for i guess the season finale of season one of batwoman so i won't go too far into it but i guess bruce bruce wayne comes into the picture next up I was about to say, you know what happens when uh, they start mentioning people. I don't know. Who? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> next up. Um, in, I guess, surprising news, Batwoman actress Ruby Rose has announced her plans to leave the series, vacating the title role ahead of the currently in-development second season, scheduled to premiere in 2021. Ruby Rose issued a statement on her departure, but she did not spell out her reasons for leaving the show. I don't know if we have other um, news stories on this. Um, Related to, not necessarily about this. Okay, I just wanted to add that in, you know, when I saw this drop, when I saw this news drop the other day, of course, um, I was shocked and disappointed and wanted to learn a little bit more about it. And I read, um, you know, obviously reports. So these are mostly rumor, but based on some um, uh, uh, bits of fact here and there, uh, that's... Um, Ruby Rose wasn't exactly um, the most pleasant person to work with on the screen simply because she seemed to not be ready for the rigors of being a lead actress in one of these uh, CW superhero shows. It's a lot of it's it's fairly demanding, you know, being uh, being the lead and being in costume for uh, a significant amount of time while you're on set. So um, it, it may not have been what she expected. You know, either way, I think, uh, uh, or at least from what I read, it was supposed to be somewhat mutual that she wanted out and they weren't exactly thrilled with the way she was acting on set. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, unfortunately for the haters who are, uh, uh, there, there's a multitude of them online, um, you know, it's unfortunately uh, uh, something that they can chalk up in their column. Or that, yeah, they would definitely try to. So. Mm -hmm. And that is the sad fact on all of this. Yep. Um, but moving right along, um, in related news, uh, Stephanie Beatrice wants to be Ruby Rose's uh, replacement for Batwoman. So after the, uh, the news of um, Ruby Rose's uh, departure, um, and the CW still going to be going ahead and doing a second series, you know, obviously they're going to be looking for you know a, a new person to play. Batwoman uh, says Beatrice wrote on Twitter that she reads everything about Batwoman indicates she's a hardcore fan of the character and that she's willing to move to Gotham for the role. Um, and if you don't know that name, she's on uh, Brooklyn nine, nine and I'm okay with that. Actually, if that happens, she's actually all right. 
<laughs> not actually alright. Didn't mean to sound like that, but she's she's kind of dope. Um, um, so and you know sponsors mm-hmm. who? Oh, I guess you don't watch uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Sorry. Yeah, well, I've I've only seen a couple of episodes myself, but I've kind of seen her and a couple of the cast members because you know one they're on Twitter and other places. I think she's done some other thing I've seen. I've actually seen, but I can't remember right now. Um, but hey, uh, she basically plays a detective on Nine Nine is from Brooklyn, as as the setting says, is from Brooklyn. So hey, there you go. That's give you a reason to watch right there. <laughs> and that's that you know everybody knows that's the andy sandberg joint anyway next up next up so thanks to shutdowns caused by covid19 batwoman's first season ended early which denied the show the opportunity to add a supergirl cameo in the i guess the last episode um essentially what happened in the finale that aired um there's some issues with uh kryptonite and um they were supposed to zoom in to a photo frame in Kate Kane's library, and the photo that was supposed to be in the frame was supposed to be of Kate with Kara Danvers, a.k.a. Supergirl, but they weren't able to get that done because of COVID-19. Yeah, so there you go. That is that. Um, moving right along. Uh, Legends Tomorrow just aired its deadliest episode yet. This is a running theme tonight. Apparently. <laughs> that was uh, the news was unintentionally involved in this. Um so Legends of Tomorrow's latest episode was a massacre. If that gives you oh, no! which, which saw the deaths which saw the deaths of many beloved characters from the show. And I haven't seen this episode, so I don't know what's a, um what's going on. But basically the Wait, it says Legends of Tomorrow are dead. Long live the legends. And I am Legends, the latest episode, the team fights against Greek fates, Lachesis, and Atropos uh, came to a head. While the legends were busy securing the ch- Chalice of Dionysus, uh, the fates command- commandeered the Wave Rider with Astra and Gary Green on board. With the power of the gods and the time-traveling ship, the fates managed to kill all of the legends except for except their sister, Charlie. So, yeah, okay. uh, apparently that happened, and it kind of goes on from there. Um, and uh, apparently there's a... Oh, and apparently there's a loophole as to how they got out of there. They get out of their predicament. So, we'll see, we'll ha- see how that uh, works out for them. Next up. Right. Next up. So, uh, The Mandalorian Season 2 on Disney Plus has picked up uh, a, a relatively... Um, uh, known name actor in Timothy Oliphant. And I say relatively because, you know, it's not someone that jumps out at you, but it's a it's a recognizable name. Uh, he played uh, a hard-nosed cop named Raylan Givens on Justified. I know that was a somewhat popular show. Mm-hmm. And uh, now he's bringing his um, power and swagger to the Star Wars universe. The Hollywood Reporter broke the news that he's going to be joining... Uh, season two of the Mandalorian, but there's still no word on the character he'd be playing. It could be somebody new and heretofore unknown, such as the characters played by Bill Burr and Natalia Tena in season one, or it could be somebody, you know, that already exists. Like, uh, you know, I'm not going to name these characters because we know who they are. So, um, you know, 
the speculation continues. Right, and before you said what you said, he also played um, Hitman, one of the Hitman movies, but before before you said what you said, I was going to say um, that maybe, you know, I guess because of that and he played a Hitman, he might be a bounty hunter, maybe he'll be another Mandalorian, who knows. But some would say that his uh, casting was justified. Oh, no! Hey, that's that's about as guess you bets as you're gonna get from me tonight, folks. So you gotta deal with it. Next up, um, due to uh, thanks to a report that I sh- probably shouldn't be taking, but you take with a grain of salt. Um, a Sokotano show is in development at Disney Plus. So this is a report. This is a rumor. There is no, there's nothing official about this at all. But some, I suppose, some. This person that um, does rumors a lot that sometimes are, is correct, apparently, says that, um, yeah, that a Ahsoka Tano show of some kind is in development at Disney+. Plus. It's not outside the realm of possibility that it could be actually happening. But, again, this is still rumor, so take it for what it is. Next okay. up. Next up, um, The Clone Wars, Why the Jedi Never Rose Up Again After uh, Order 66 and Revenge of the Sith. Um, In an interview with Deadline, showrunner Dave Filoni of uh, The Clone Wars um, offered insight on the Jedi post-Order 66. The seasoned Lucasfilm creator revealed he had even discussed the topic with George Lucas himself. Um... According to Filoni, the reason why we never saw too many Jedis fighting against the Empire is the fact that they were dead and that a lot of them felt that they had failed in their goal to protect the Republic and they were all deceived. He clarified further by stating, so a lot of them realized that fighting a war maybe isn't the best way and created violence. They set their sabers down. They tried to find different paths to helping people than perhaps, you know, being violent. And so there is an old idea there. And also they got shot in the back. So... Hmm, a lot of them, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, there you go. Next up, uh, Gargoyles, the the Disney show that so many people love so much, um, was nearly the center of a vast Disney cinematic universe. I believe it. Yeah. So this is a. Actually, I will go ahead and take this next one too because it's kind of related. But mm-hmm. uh, apparently, also O.J. Simpson helped kill the show. Um, according, according to creator Greg Weissman, I suspect, and I didn't read this article fully, so I, I fully believe that, that probably part of this came out around the time, uh, that the, uh, the OJ chase happened or something and therefore was on a lot of people's TVs and therefore probably interrupted a whole lot of things. Again, I hadn't read this article, so I don't know. I'm sure. Probably the trial stuff. Yeah, either that or the trials. Uh, right. Yeah, not, it wouldn't be the chase because I know what that interrupted. That interrupted uh, the NBA Finals. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan. I remember that all too well, and it hurts to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it was probably the trial stuff hap- uh, because it was like always on TV in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. That makes some sense. But either way, there is this is a long, um, well, a lengthy, I would say, 
uh, interview with Greg Weissman about the gargoyles and stuff around it and that. If you're so interested uh, and check it out, uh, it'll be in the show notes. And uh, following up on that, uh, Greg Weissman wants to team up with Jordan Peele for a live action gargoyle, live action gargoyles. So um, it says gargoyles co-creator Greg Weissman has admitted he'd love to make a live action movie of the '90s cartoon with Jordan Peele directing. Um, I don't know if this is coming from the same article or not, but I, I'm just going to assume. Yep, actually, yes, it says in a lengthy interview with Polygon. So there you go. Boom. Uh, with Gargoyles now streaming on Disney Plus, there's been a renewed interest. Blah, blah, blah. Da, da, da. Previous reports reclaimed Peel pitched a Gargoyles movie to Disney. Excuse me, but now Weissman wants to get in on the action. So, yeah, there you go. Okay. Maybe from him, and I know he has also been up here, you know, because he's he did that. So this is the similar thing he did with the Young Justice, um, and basically telling people like, "Hey, it's out there on streaming, you know, binge it, binge it, you know." Uh, and maybe the the powers that be will see fit to you know let them do their thing uh, more on it. And he's doing a similar thing with gargoyles, and basically telling people, like, "Yeah, binge, binge, uh, binge gargoyles," and you know, tell Disney basically. So and hopefully you know they you know they'll they'll see that and be like yeah, all right yeah go ahead and finish what you got to do or do something about it do something with it so the power is yours not really but it is kind of sort of folks got it next up next up all right so this is actually kind of fun so apparently um, Disney Plus has several font options. When it comes to closed caption subtitles, um, io9 editor James Whitbrook discovered this fun fact and tweeted out the gruesome immolation of Anakin Skywalker from Revenge of the Sith with Comic Sans subtitles. They call it casual, but it is basically Comic Sans. So you can um, read across the bottom You are the chosen one! You were supposed to destroy the Sith, not join them. Or, it's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. You underestimate my power. Don't try it. And, you know, that's... Oh, I can't even... I, now I'm going to sit and watch that as soon as we get off. So, I, and actually, this is an article I should have meant to put in here because I did see this also earlier. Uh, I believe there was another think piece about... Um, about... And well, excuse me about uh, Obi Wan warning Anakin about that. It was like, well, of course he would know how to defend against it because he's been in that situation before, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's why he was telling Anakin don't do it because he's you know because he knows how to defend against it. And sure enough, he did. But um, yeah, so there is that. But also, if you haven't seen it, there is that particular scene uh, that has been overdubbed with Mickey and Donald's voices oh, as, as Obi Wan and. Um, Anakin, respectively. So, if you see that, check it. You know, by all means, check it out because it's it's pretty. I was gonna say it's pretty goofy, but it's actually pretty funny. Oh no! <laughs> goofy is no, nowhere in it. Uh, I still don't get the big deal about Comic Sans, but we, that's a conversation for a whole another time and space. Well, I know, yeah. I know people hated the death, but or see or act like they hated the death, but it's not really that bad. Just calm down. You mean the death? No, no, uh, uh, the Comic Sans, Comic Sans. 
Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they hate it to death. I see what you mean. Yeah. So, I mean, I've never liked the, the font. It wasn't, it, it, it never genuinely appeared to me like comic book lettering, but, mm. you know, what can you do? True. Yeah. And that I can see. That's, that's, you know, that's a, I, I can see that. That's a, that's a good argument right there. But at the same time, but people out here real stupid about it and probably don't even know why. Anyway, next up. Hello there. <laughs> General Kenobi. I know, right? Um, oh, now I want to turn that on. Oh, my gosh. Right, keep it together. We've got a show to do. <laughs> we don't have those rights, unfortunately. But, yeah, next one's yours. Oh, wait, no, no next one's mine. Sorry, sorry. That's me. That's me. That's me. Sorry. Um, I'm all over the place tonight. Uh, George Lucas says, Howard the Duck movie made The Matrix possible. Sit on that for a second, folks. Mm. Um, I, I will say before I even get into this, I legitimately love the Howard the Duck movie. It's not a great movie, but I legitimately lovely love it. So, Holly Robinson's on it, ain't it? Huh? Yes, Holly Robinson. Yes, she was. It. Yes, she was. Um, but anyway, when you read the chronicles of the movie industry's legendary flops, they almost always include Howard the Duck, the 1986 Marvel comics adaptation that cost 37 million and tanked hard at the box office. The iconoclastic Marvel comic was written by Steve Gerber, uh, became an unlikely pop culture phenomenon in the mid-70s, and George Lucas discovered it in film school. Uh, by the 80s, though, Gerber's creation was mostly forgotten, except by Lucas. Uh, the director and producer chose Howard the Duck as one of his post-Star uh, Wars marquee pro uh, production projects, Directed by his old friend and American graffiti co-writer Willard Hyuk. Oh, Hyuk? Uh, sorry about that. Um, but from the ashes of failure often rise uh, future successes. This oddball flick about a dimensional, dimension-warped anthropomorphic waterfowl gave rise to a special effect technique that revolutionized the way action cinema had, was made. We wouldn't have The Matrix without Howard the Duck. Think on that, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly, and since a lot of a lot of effects uh, go through ILM, uh, Industrial Light and Magic, this kind of makes sense. And then the uh, and the Matrix is no shortage of, you know, having used their stuff, if I'm not mistaken. So, or at least it inspired some stuff, if even if they didn't use them directly. So yeah, I'm not gonna go through it because it's kind of lengthy, but uh, nevertheless, you have Howard the Duck to thank. Or the Matrix, folks, go watch that movie. I, I don't even know if it's out there. Next up, all right. In horrifying sounding news, the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film is celebrating its 30th anniversary. Oh, I'm dying again. Mm -hmm. They're celebrating in the only way they know how a virtual pizza party that will reunite the original cast. Judith Hogue, who played April O'Neil in the 1990 film, made the official announcement on YouTube. She says, it's our 30th anniversary, and we had some really great stuff planned to celebrate with you guys. And then the pandemic hit. It would be really great to have a virtual pizza party with you guys, our fans, and with us, the original official cast and crew from the 1990 movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow. 30 years. Oh, I'm dying again! 
I wish I had pulled it because I would have pulled the the part of um the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series where um Michael Ando says party. <laughs> but I didn't think to do that. So yeah, the party will be held on May twenty third with more information coming in the next few days. So they've been out that's, there on... that that's Sunday. That is. No, no, Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, Saturday it is yeah. May twenty first as yeah. of this recording. Yes. So uh, you got two days as of this recording to check that out, folks. Um, and if you didn't get a check, I, I would imagine it's probably still going to be out there somewhere. Somebody will probably record it if not. Anyway, moving right along. Uh, Power Rangers Dino Fury revealed as the 28th season of the long-running action series. I could have sworn Dino Fury was a title they have used before. That's all I'm going to say outside of the fact that um, it's going to be in the adaptation of Ryu Solger, which is the Japanese version, the, the Super Sentai version of uh, the show, as it has done, you know, as versions before, prior to it has been uh, adapted into. But um, yeah, uh, see, Hasbro has officially announced that that uh, that is coming in to that it sets a premiere on Nickelodeon in 2021, and it is aforementioned called. Uh, Power Rangers Dino Fury, and this was apparently reviewed uh, revealed then uh, that what it is adapting was from uh, February, and that this is the forty third season of the Super Sentai series. So yes, it is the forty third series because uh, the forty third series of Super Sentai, but it's like the nineteenth or the twenty eighth of Power Rangers because Power Rangers didn't get adapted until much later, and Super Sentai has been around since the seventies. But you should go check that stuff out. It's pretty good. Sometimes better than the American version in some people's eyes. Next up. Oh, I get this story. Wonderful. Hey, you mentioned it. I, I did. I, I did. So, just the other day on May 20th, Zack Snyder announced the existence and planned release of the fabled, quote, Snyder Cut of 2017's Justice League on HBO Max during a Q&A with fans following a live-streamed commentary on his film Man of Steel. The Snyder Cut consists of Snyder's edit of the film based on the version he was creating before exiting the production due to a tragedy in his family. Um, Snyder, his wife Deborah, and Superman actor Henry Cavill danced around the question before Snyder dropped the bomb. So, uh, you know, we were mentioning uh, this previously. I think we were talking about it off the air. Mm. Uh, I, I said, uh, this is unfortunately, while I would uh, cautiously state that this is somewhat welcome news because the justice league movie did in fact you know fall flat in so many places it might be interesting to see what snyder's final vision would have been had he been able to finish production on it but at the same time i'm not a fan of the fact that this uh lends lots of support to people who are uh naysay not even naysayers it's just a certain brand of uh, fan on the internet, uh, you know, clamoring for the Snyder cut, and it definitely uh, tends toward that 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 that's 
that type of fandom tends towards, uh, I guess, leaning towards the negative far too often. Uh, and part of me, you know, really, really just wants to say, it doesn't matter what you think. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think this is about money. This is uh, about trying to uh, get people to subscribe to HBO Max, even though it's not going to be out until 2021. It's about getting people to subscribe to this somewhat expensive streaming service. What do you think, Roddy? So I am in agreement with you up to that last point to a to a part. Like, yeah, so I agree with you. Yeah, it's like because a lot of this was spurred on. Was like, yeah, they mentioned. So the mention of the Snyder Cut has been going around for a good year or two. Probably, yeah, probably got almost two years now since since the thing happened. And we already know, you know, what happened with Snyder. And and people kept stoking it up and stoking it up. And Snyder's out there hadn't been helping because he's like, yeah, it's out there. So I don't, you know, I don't know what you want me to do. But you know, he's been out there, and other people surrounding him has been out there. So this is definitely a calculated thing. Now I don't necessarily like. Yes, this is definitely going to get would probably may or possibly get people to get. Uh, Disney, I mean, not Disney Plus, uh, HBO Max to do this, but as you said, like I said, it's going to be a while. And two, I don't believe I don't believe it. They did it just for that reason. And I'm not. I don't. I know that's not what you're exactly saying, right? But it's like I do. But I do definitely see that. It's like because just like I said before the show, like yeah, if they're going, if people want this thing, make them get. Um, you know, yeah, why not make them get uh, HBO Max? Instead of like putting it back out again, like and they're like, granted, they're, you know, Hollywood's no stranger to like putting out movies again on DVD and and extra cuts and nothing. But they're like, well, now that they got this, they can they can kind of capitalize on it and try to get some more eyeballs in the seat. So yeah, definitely, this is a a, a, a not necessarily yes. It, it, they lucked into right. They lucked into an incentive. I don't think they purposefully held off on this announcement until right. HBOX became close came closer to reality. Uh, I think they saw the success that the Mandalorian had in terms of getting people into Disney Plus and kind of keeping their hooks into the people, you know, into people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, and 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 uh, I guess the clo- actually wait, we're already on top of HBO Max. Is there uh, is there any? original programming that they're using to help launch the service that they're, is so we talked about what they're what they're what uh what's coming out and i think a lot of, so there are some stuff that they're launching with that was in what we talked about last week i don't have that article back up um but yeah they are launching with some stuff mm-hmm. some original content and but most of it's probably going to be like you know like shortly after you know the launch of it got it got it so they're basically going on like the Crunchyroll stuff and whatever you know and the, the Disney, uh, the DC Universe stuff, and whatever else, they, and the HBO stuff that they already got, you know, right, 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 and maybe have a, a one or two uh, original things hopping around that time, but I don't think any, that there's nothing that stands out, right? Nothing with the draw that something like The Mandalorian would have, exactly. So, I mean, it's, there's enough content on there to be like, hey, I, yeah, I might actually give this a shot, um, because it is almost rivaling Disney Plus in content. Mm-hmm. Some would argue more, but because but I don't know. But regardless, I don't think this cut whether this cut exists or not. I don't. I'm with you about the fan base and the people who think that this is going to be such an ultimate cut, and and probably also think that the the version that came out is was uh, 
you know, SJW and up the, the place or whatever the case may be. I don't even know if that was even a factor in it about that time, but I can see those people being that way. Um, and I don't think this version is going to be any better. Mm-hmm. But this is probably the only other way if I'm still, um, if I am still in HBO Max around this time, this is probably the only way you're going to get me to watch it. <laughs> so there you go. Because I already got a copy of it, the theater cut, and that was a, Oh, I can't say it was against my better judgment, but I did it anyway because I didn't have to. Regardless, that's the thing. Here we are, folks. The the, the fool's one, sort of. And I hate that part very much, just like used to. Moving right along. Um, speaking of HBO, um, well, yeah, speaking of HBO, you can stream HBO Go and HBO Now with party app Scener. That's uh, S-E-E-N-E-R. I was about to say, it's way too much like John Cena, as soon as you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah if you say, especially if you got a, a sort of an accent like I do, it's like, yeah, you can, like, Cena could have been Cena with a, with a, with a deeper Southern accent. Um, <laughs> but basically, just like, if you know of uh, plugins like Netflix Party, or such like, this is kind of one, or a rabbit um, uh that is now long dead. This is kind of one of those where you can basically virtually party up with folks and watch a thing off, uh, off of uh, HBO and HBO Go, HBO Now and Go. Um, I don't know, and I don't believe it says here whether it's going to work with HBO Max. Uh, but I would assume something about that's probably going to be coming out in the next week or so. Yeah. Because obviously some of that, because these two other two apps and, and um, have been out for a minute, so obviously they've had time to kind of hack into it. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see, though. But, I, you know, knowing HBO is probably the same same underlying tech, so if they can get these, they can do these, and whoever's buying this thing can do that. It's not outside the realm of possibilities. I was about to say, before we transi- transition into uh, the comic book news, I wanted to mention, since we've talked so much about HBO, that the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie has dropped on HBO as of this week, and I still have not watched it. And maybe, maybe now, in the midst of pandemic, I might sit down and watch. I know lots of people love it. It's not really my cup of tea, but I may just watch it for academic purposes. I will report back to everybody uh, next week to see if I finally sat down and did it. Yeah, um, yeah, actually, which is weird because I know you and I both know that we talked about this that HBO had done like, hey, you can watch free stuff for a good while, and I think that may have just passed. And I thought Joker was already amongst that number because I think I've seen an article that said as much, but that the article could have been wrong. I didn't know it had just come out on HBO, right? So, and yeah, that if I had HBO at the at the moment, I maybe possibly. And actually, I think well, no, 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 it didn't because it just it did revert because I tried to look at some on HBO the other day and it, it seemed like it wasn't going and it was some of the some one the thing that was supposed to be free. Um, and the last word on that Snyder cut. Hey, boo! boo! If you heard that, if you What's didn't, that? that was a don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Anywho, so yes, we are going to transition into these uh, the, the news. Before before I do that, I would like to say, hey, there is a uh, we have, do have a clickbait section, um, and it is full of some stuff. It doesn't have a whole lot as much as what it normally does, but 
if you get a chance to check that out, it's in the show notes. Check out the best Top Gun video of the week featuring X-Wing fighters that some fan uh, made. Um, and I would suspect Danger Zone is probably the crux of this of this uh, video with X-Wing. I feel the need, the need for speed. Woo! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Alright, so we transitioning now? We are. And here we are in the comic book news, starting off with Boom gets Mega Man. So Boom Studios in partnership with uh, Wild Brain Limited and Dentsu Entertainment USA will launch a new comic book series based on Mega Man fully charged animated series in August. The series will be created by TV series writers AJ Marcello. There we go. Take me a second there. And Marcus Reinhardt. Um, artist Stefano Simone, or Simeon, probably. Um, and TV series exec producers and writers of Man of Action, who's been all over the place for X, X amount of years. The first issue will feature a main cover by Tony Infante and variant cover art by Miguel Mercado. So there you go. A Mega Man book. Yay. Next. All right. Uh, in unfortunately unwelcome news, DC Supergirl ongoing series is still scheduled to conclude with issue number 42 as announced in the publisher's original May 2020 solicitations, but now the series' final two issues will publish on digital platforms only as part of the publisher's revised post-distribution shutdown COVID-19 schedule. Supergirl 41 will be on digital platforms exclusively on May 26th and issue number 42 on June 30th. Both issues, however will be included in the next collected edition, both in physical print and digital. The book is currently written by Jody Hauser. (laughs) Not a fan of this. Even though I don't read Supergirl, still not a fan. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, and I feel like this is not the first time we have had this this particular article happen. Like, I feel like we had a very similar article last week last year, year before last, uh, surrounding a Supergirl comic book. So, which, I mean, yes, that happens, and this is a different volume from then, but still. Actually, this 42 has been going on a couple of years, but regardless, you know, it's like, yeah, this, it kind of feels like the Supergirl book's like one of the first to slaughter. So, anyway, next up, Nightwing joins Joker War in issue number 71. So Nightwing gets embroiled in the main Batman title's ongoing Joker War crossover, going face-to-face with the Clown Prince of Crime himself in June 9th, uh, Nightwing 71. So I guess Dick is back to being uh, Dick and also um, Nightwing then, after all that stuff that happened. So, okay, cool. Uh, There's a preview here if you are so interested. So there you go. Next. Okay, DC is joining with Warner Brothers' Friday launch, that's tomorrow, of the animated feature Scoob, coming out on premium video, on-demand, and premium digital ownership by offering 250 issues of Scooby-Doo comic books and trade paperbacks for free. Starting Friday, 
through September 7th, the free comics will be available on DC Universe, Comixology, Kindle, and other digital platforms. All yes. right. So I assume, um, no, I guess really not. I was going to say Scooby-Doo Apocalypse is on it, but I guess not. But Scooby-Doo Apocalypse is already on uh, uh, DC Universe anyway, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, so yeah, if you're interested in some free Scooby-Doo books for you or and or your kids, you got until September, Friday, September, excuse me, you have until September 7th uh, there you go. to grab all these from, from those places mentioned. And it says here which ones, but then it's like the Scooby Doo where are you Scooby Doo seeing up and Scooby Doo stuff. So it's you know it's it's some stuff. Uh, next up, uh, Marvel releases July shipping schedule. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we don't envy publishing execs at the large company, uh, comic publishing companies who have to figure out how to schedule comics. Since involved uh, some involved intricate storylines that cross over into other titles. Um, as Diamond Comic Distributors, which stop distribution, we already know this, so let's cut to the chase here and say that uh, ICV2 has basically a list of what Marvel is shipping uh, in July. Uh, and there are some comics, and there are also some collections at the same time. Uh, actually, look, some of this is like stuff that is actually starting to come out now. Um, so they basically have the list of, looks like they have the list up until, or they just copied the list out that's from here until July. But you got stuff like, uh, Empire number one is coming out on the 15th, uh, Avengers 34, uh, Giant Size Magneto, Guardians of the Galaxy 4, uh, Spider Woman 2, which I thought that actually how it came out, but okay. And Mortal Hulk 35, you know, some stuff, some stuff that, so we will probably, you know, uh, between now and then, may or may not be talking about some of that stuff. Um, you know, depending on how much comes out at a given time, right? All because all of those mentions are still even still going out at different dates. Or oh, actually, excuse me, I just I, actually I take it back. That's coming out. Uh, all that stuff is coming out on July fifteenth, so that might actually be worth something. But they have different dates in here, and I think those were like the original dates that they were supposed to be coming out. I assume. Because, yeah, Empire Number 1 was supposed to come out uh, uh, last month. So, there you go. So, yeah, that list is out there. And it, and it goes through the end of, uh, from July 15th to the 29th. Um, and you can check that out at your leisure. Next up. All right. Uh, a quick disclaimer before I read this next news item. Funko is a sponsor of the Comic Book Chronicles and the Old Slither Podcast Network. Funko Incorporated unveiled Marvel Battle World Mystery of the Thanos Stones, a micro-collectible tabletop gaming system for broad release after a first-to-market release in Target. This MCU adventure game combines micro-collectible characters and cards where players battle against Thanos. The game is to be sold in blind pack Battle Ball, which contains two Marvel collectible characters hero cards, battle cards, and dice. The characters featured in this game uh, line include Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Groot, Valkyrie, Gamora, and Throg. Battle offers kids a completely new way to play and interact with the Marvel brand and universe of characters they know and love, said Paul Gitter, Senior Vice President of Marvel Licensing. The innovative tabletop gaming plus action-packed storytelling 
gives kids an immersive experience that's fresh for the Marvel brand. All right, let's see what these look like. They don't show them, bastards. Mm. They also announced uh, Marvel Hero Click Secret Wars, which is also based on the Battle War crossover. So, oh. So all okay. your Hero Clicks people got some more stuff to play with. Hey, man. You know, if if, uh, if I really wanted to, I could, uh, I'd, I'd get back into it, but not so much right now. <laughs> Next up, um, an R2-D2 robot vacuum is exactly what Chore Droid, uh, is exactly the Chore Droid I'm looking for. I would like to point out, if you're watching, before we even go into this, um, this is not R2, this is like R4. Or R9, one of the two, basically one of the red ones, if you're watching the video. Yeah, I'll say the red top, okay. But it is, but it is an astromech, just like R2-D2 is. So, you know, I'm just saying, the, the you know, the, the writer of this article, who I believe actually even says the name of it. Yeah, it's, anyway, regardless, that's, it is what it is. So, yeah, um, inspired by a very droid-looking trash can, they spotted in a garage. Hunters, um, Matthew Scott Hunter, basically combined a room a couple of Roombas and I guess his love of Star Wars into um into a mega Roomba in the shape of an astromech. Um and it says R nine D nine with a slick paint job that would make Iron Man tempted to ditch uh Jarvis according to this article. There's a video about it if you are so interested in it. Um that's actually kinda cool. <laughs> but you know not mass marketable well not mass marketed next up not yet yeah really (laughs) next up hasbro has announced monopoly star wars the child tied to the baby yoda character the popular term for the character officially named the child from the disney plus series the mandalorian (sighs) players yoda damn it Players use cardboard tokens and pawn stands of the Baby Yoda character in different poses, eating a frog, using the force, drinking a cup of broth, and sitting in the hover pram or eating chicken nuggies and chalky milk to move around the board. Shout out to Binge Mode and the Binge Mode fam, um, which features Mandalorian-themed places and objects such as a cup of broth, a frog, Tracking fob, Razor Crest cockpit, and Razor Crest storage bay. Okay, mm, exactly. I'm actually got, well. Actually, I need to go through all those things. And I'm, I, I, there is a Mandalorian uh, virtual backgrounds. I'm assuming. I think I may have gotten them already. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, so not outside of Rome, probably uh, Baby Yoda's uh, fever has been in effect, and now all now uh, places are going to capitalize it all over the places. Well, more specifically, Disney and, you know, and everybody. Now, granted, Monopoly, you can, that's a kind of a separate thing, but they still have to license it. So, uh, yeah, that's a a thing. Next up, Wizard Entertainment cuts Q1 losses on lower sales. um, And they also buy a Jellison shot maker, which I'm not a business person. Doesn't seem like good business sense if you're cutting losses but maybe that's just me anyway wizard entertainment lost uh 183 thousand dollars in q1 2020 an improvement from the 200 wait an improvement yeah from the 223 thousand loss in 
uh, Q1 2019. Sales were down 27% to 2.6 million from 3.5 million in 2019. The company operated three shows in Q1 of both years. So if you did not know, Wizard Entertainment is the one over Wizard World and that comic, their comic convention stuff, amongst uh, apparently their other dealings, which um, I, I'd say like uh, Wu-Tang did in, in that sketch, diversify your bonds, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you gotta. But yeah, apparently this, um, let's see, this is just Jellicott Shot Company uh is I don't see the name over here, but it doesn't matter. The the company plans to manufacture the cure egg of Jello shots, quote unquote, and sell them along with related consumables to bars, restaurants, and other locations that sell gelatin shots. Probably not the time to do this right now, but all right. Cool. Again, that way to be somewhat thinking, but hey, boom. Planning Next, ahead. I it's guess. Planning ahead. I guess. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, in uh, in horror movie news, horror makeup artist Tom Savini, who worked on the original Friday the 13th film, is crafting protective face masks based on the hockey mask that Jason Voorhees wears in the Friday the 13th series. Savini created the masks in conjunction with fellow special effects slash makeup artist Jason Baker, who worked on The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. So you too can roll up behind somebody and potentially get jacked when you when you say ch ch ch. But hey, they look good looking masks. It looks like they're hard covered, and I'm assuming there is a a layer of of fabric behind the mask. Um, along with that, but yeah, you can kind of see it around his face. So yeah, okay, cool. I guess I know there's some horror fans will probably be doing some mess like that. Anyway, folks, that is the end of the news section for tonight. Uh, b- before we go into the, the topic of the night, we have an ad read. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wish I had some wine right now. Hmm. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Have you ever tried an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. Uh, yes, boy, I also wish I had a bottle of wine or something very much stronger because holy hell, the things lately. Um, anyway, tonight, folks, we are going to get into our topic. And if the hints pri- uh, in the beginning of the news section didn't tip you off, we are going to be reading the Marvel Comics, um, oh, geez, what, uh, 1986 
Oi, hold on, hold on. Did he say 1986? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm dying again! <laughs> 1986 Mutant Comic, uh, um, Marvel Comic Event Mutant Massacre, sometimes also called the Morlock Massacre, but I don't actually remember being it called that. So, we it don't was. Know. Yeah, I definitely read it. I, I definitely read it in in certain books. So yeah, here we are reading the mutant massacre. So what? Yeah. I said I did read it in books, referring to the events that way. Right, which makes sense because yeah, the majority of it does definitely take take place in the Morlock. So, so it's on the as we were getting into, and as a matter of fact, um, a little prep work before we get into this. Um, I'm just going to read this off real quick, and then we're going to start with the the books in 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 order. So this, here are some things to know about this event going into it. The X-Men in the previous issue had just finished fighting the fighting Nimrod and also the Hellfire Club because uh, Rachel Summers, who was the Phoenix at the time, uh, got it in her mind some kind of way to um, to try to kill the Black Queen, Selene. Uh, Wolverine stopped her with his claws, and so she's hurt. So that goes into it. Uh, Mohawk Storm is in charge. She doesn't. She is powerless. Um, uh, there are some people who died from the Hellfire Club. A couple of people from the Hellfire Club died. Um, let me see. Let me just read off what I got. This is easy. Um, like I said, oh, Storm also was the leader of the Morlocks around this time because not only did she she's um, rightfully take the leadership position from Cy, uh, from Cyclops, fighting is behind. When he's got powers and she don't and whipped him handily, she also whipped up on uh, Callisto and took um, took um, took control of the Morlocks uh, leadership of the Morlocks uh, prior to this. Uh, like I said, Phoenix has run away from this, so they're so the X Men are looking for her. The Hellfire Club and the X Men have a temporary truce after the battle with uh, Nimrod. Uh, Nightcrawler gets hurt in the battle and he disappears. Uh, he got disappeared after getting hit by from um, Nimrod. Magneto is running the Xavier School at this point, and Xavier uh, Professor Xavier is nowhere to be found. I think he's in space around this time. I don't. I remember. believe. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, also, the New Mutants are around. They were they have been founded and were around at this time, so they are also at the school, which includes um, Colossus' sister Yana, who goes by Magic. We'll get into more of that in a little bit. Um. To see, yeah, talk about the temporary truce. Uh, the White King and the Rook died, or whoever that was, died. The original X Men: Cyclops, um, Jean Grey, Iceman, Beast, and Angel. Um, and yes, Jean Grey had been re- resurrected because she was dead prior to this and was resurrected. And X Factor became a thing, and so X Factor um, to the world. Uh oh. No, I'm there. Don't oh, worry. Okay. okay. Uh, no, I thought you. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Anyway, um, X Factor's around, and under the there are to the world thinks they're mutant investigators, aka mutant hunters, but really they are finding mutants using this guys and taking them back to their base and training them up and try to send them back out to the world where, where they can kind of pass for normal. Um, but they also have. Uh, another guys that they use called the exterminators which is ba- which are basically freedom fighters you know fighting against x factor so they're basically fighting against themselves because and they're supposed to be or as some people call them evil mutants right it's all a ruse yes basically so and this is all cooked up now mind you just like like t- this is 
coming in like nine, ten issues into X Factor. So this is the the first run of X Factor, not what most people know of later on. Uh, right. Let's see. Uh, to just to round this out, um, Morlocks are mutants who live under the streets of New York. Uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and this is kind of a big one at, at, at the first part of this, but the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, uh, which is uh, Mystique, Blob, Destiny, uh, Pyro, and uh, Avalanche, and Spider-Woman, who is Julia Carpenter, Spider-Woman, uh, who is not a mutant and came out of Se- uh, Secret Wars, is now going by the name of Freedom Force and working for the U.S. government around this time. And I believe up until we get to a certain point with another character or two that comes into play uh, that is not normally associated with mutants. Actually, I can go ahead and say it. Uh, Thor, around this time, has his um, Sigurd Jolson uh, identity because so he's gotten rid of Donald Blake. And he's like, just, uh, he's a, I think he was in construction or he was an architect. One of the two, I can't remember. Oh, he was and, a construction worker. Okay, so yeah, he was a construction worker. Um, and he was working out of New York also. So he's still, so he is around. And I think that's for the most part, pretty much it going into this. Like I said, right. anything else, anything else? Oh, Power Pack was also around and Frank Richards was a part of the group and they had switched powers prior to this. Right. What I was going to say is uh, just laying out the books that are m- mainly involved in this series, in this uh, event crossover event as well, as well as the aftermath. Um, a lot of these books are run by creative teams that are either literally interrelated or very close to each other in terms of uh, personality uh, or friendship or relationship. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we're dealing with uh, Chris Claremont, obviously, on the main X-Men book. We're also dealing with um, friends of the X-Office in... Or, or at least part of the X office in uh, Louise Simonson writing X Factor. We're also dealing with um, her husband Walt Simonson, who is at this point not drawing but writing Thor. And um, you know, as uh, and with regards to the New Mutants, obviously they're part of the uh, X the X um, uh, office. But Power Pack is also written by Louise Simonson. Right. So talk about keeping things in the family. And, uh, you know, and just to wrap things up, um, there is a rando issue of Daredevil that kind of uh, is part of the epilogue of the story. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Andesenti is also very friendly with uh, uh, the, 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 this particular group of creators. I could be mistaken. Right. And we'll probably we, we'll definitely mention it, but it, there's really not much that's like, to, well, it's kind of sort of uh, involved in it at the end of it. Right. It's just a very tangential part of the yes. story. Um, so in that case, let us move, let us start off with, as a matter of fact, uh, real quick, I'm going to put up a shot of, shoot, there we go. That's not it. Transition, fool. Um, there we go. Here is the reading order of the book. And granted, it might be kind of hard to read, but it will. I will have it as the uh, picture of it. will be the thumbnail in the show notes, so don't worry about it. Or in the, on the video. Um, uh, but yes, you can see this was in the back of uh, a bunch of the books at the time and shows the order. And some of them are kind of concurrent with each other. So basically X-Men and X-Factor are kind of running side by side with each other with the other books kind of coming in in spots. Mm-hmm. So, And we will be going... 
to the order um, that do we best can. Starting off with Uncanny X-Men 210 with the probably one of the most iconic covers uh, of the X-Men franchise. One of them. Oh, absolutely. One of many, but this is definitely one of them. This is by John Romina Jr. And um, it looks like Bob Wyacek. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, the creative team, uh, you know, the creative teams on this uh, uh, event series, uh, on this event crossover, actually, event is you know are are, are some of the top notch teams. This is a book by Chris Claremont, written by Chris Claremont and J.R. Junior, John Romita Junior, and Dan Green on art. Oh, and Anne Nascenti is editing this book, which is, uh, I guess, the relationship right. that I was referring to with Daredevil. There you go. Mm. Look at that. All in the family. All in the family. And as you can see from the video, I am showing uh, uh, the cover right there. You see all of the X-Men at the time uh, saying, come on, mess with us, make our day. And we get into it thusly. Uh, as I pull up my notes. So we start off with a, a, a mutant named Richard who works for the Hair Club, Fire Club and his girlfriend Tommy, who is a Morlock from New York in a train yard in Los Angeles. And let me take the focus back over here real quick. Uh, you didn't see this, need to see my notes. Um, so Richard tells um they get attacked. Richard tells Tommy that they have a chance if they stay together, but she runs. She gets on the train uh, thinking she's safe. Richard gets killed in the process by people we don't necessarily see at this time. Um, well, actually, talking about we do end up seeing them later, but whatever. Um, oh, we get the silhouettes, right? It teased at the beginning of the issue, right? Um, like I said, Richard is teased. Then we cut to Dazzler, who is in uh, under well, she's not, I'm saying she's incognito, is what I said, in San Francisco with uh, Lilo Cheney's band. Lilo Cheney is another mutant. Uh, I don't know why Dazzler's on the low like this, but the band knows she's a mutant, but then they're trying to get her to go powder with her, but she's like, nah. So she gets yeah. away from... Hold that thought. Uh, bear in mind that the Dazzler series had ended prior to this, and remember she had her own solo series, right. and I think, and obviously this is something to, I think it's here on, on Marvel Unlimited, not plugging the service, but as always, I'm I'm glad I have it. Um, it's, uh, my understanding is that, uh, one of the points of the series is that, uh, Dazzler, AKA Allison Blair's status as a mutant is, uh, revealed and that compromises her, uh, status as a, as an up and coming pop singer. So she is here, um, uh, under, not undercover, as you mentioned, but just, uh, um, definitely, uh, in disguise as just a, uh, a backup or, or a member of the band of uh, Lila Cheney. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Lila Cheney is um, a mutant herself, and she has been involved with characters in the New Mutants and the X-Men. Yep. Thank you for that. Uh, Dazzler goes into her dressing room or, or whatever and starts talking to herself about, yeah, she's she could be, she's as big as Lila Cheney and Cheney and this and another, but she's tired. Uh, but she gets attacked by a figure in the mirror that looks like her the disco version of her from the 70s turns out it's malice which that is another um entity that we'll probably talk about uh, after a while but it has no bearing on the mutant massacre i i beg to disagree simply because 
it's just another aspect as we hear um, from sirens in the near distance. Mm. Uh, bear in mind that uh, the character Malice, who uh, who is the uh, the, uh, the 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 character that is uh, bedeviling Allison Blair at this time is actually a member of the team that was teased at the beginning of the issue. It's oh, just, right. not, it's a side mission. It's not, uh, uh, she's not doing something uh, that's directly tied to the mutant massacre that we know as, as we're about to discover, but it's definitely part of the overall plan. Right. Cause there, you're right. Cause there was some mention of like, yeah, the hope she's doing her plan is going by going by. Yeah. I, I forgot about that part. But yeah, so there is that. Uh, but Dallas Alert thinks she's fought uh, Malice off, but we see Malice's choker around her neck as she goes to goes to goes to, go to sleep, and she notices around her neck. Like, yes, yeah, looks good on her. So we can assume that she had been taken over by Malice at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see Rogue cut to Rogue flying through New York, um, thinking she's into all tattered. Tattered uh, clothes because of the battle that I mentioned earlier with Nimrod uh, and the Hellfire Club, and she's like flying around thinking, looking for Rachel, Rachel Summers, who got you know who left uh, the last issue. Um, she saves a couple of people off a of skyscraper, and they thank her for it. But some of the crowds around her who are anti-music were like, "Hey, you're a mutant, get away!" Blah blah blah, this kind of stuff. So there's going to be a lot of that anti-mutant talk during the course of this so just be just be you know we'll we'll bring it up at times um actually it's only lot lots but well i mean this is a main. i was about to say this is a main story point Mm -hmm. in a lot of the x-men books uh, of this era yeah very much uh so yeah like i said crowd gathers there's there's there's, uh anti-mutant slander going on rogue gets away goes shopping uh, but but she's found out and harassed by a crowd, and one of the guys that she saved kind of comes comes back and and you know comes to her defense, and she disappears while they're while she and while the other dude and the, the two dudes are talking. Cool. Um, she flies by a bus with an X Factor ad on it and sees why people are are kind of riled up because you know X Factor being you know the the world knows the X Factor as mutant hunters, you know and there's going to be a lot of that in this first couple of issues also where people will be like, yeah, I'm going to call it X-Factor. This is another, you know, they're basically like the Ghostbusters of this universe, except for mutants. Right. Uh, the way they're received by by folks, but also not totally liked by some folks. Anyway, next up, um, we see Iyana Rasputin, Colossus' little sister, aka Magic, uh, going to see Colossus at, at the X-Mansion. They exchange pleasantries. They worry about Kitty Pride. Then they go see Kitty Pride, and I think this is also stuff that has to do with uh, stuff that had happened in the in the X books prior to this. So um, they go to see Kitty Pride, who is fixing up Cerebro so that non psychic mutants can use it. Um, they all talk, and then uh, Cerebro's alarm goes off. Uh, we cut to Magneto, who goes to the Hellfire Club. Uh, and you will hear about this scene again in the next issue, but or in a, mm-hmm. the, the next thing we talk about. But uh, before going in, he sees X Factor and recognizes them as the OG X Men. Uh, they also see him, but they don't engage because they're in a crowd of people because they're there looking for someone else, um, who we will find out about in, in a little bit. Um, Magneto mentions how sad it is to see them as mutant hunters. We will definitely get the other side of that point. Uh, that that 
part next next issue, like I said. Sebastian Shaw basically she well, Magneto goes in, he talks to like uh Sebastian Shaw, uh, who asked them if he wants to take the white king position, which has recently been uh emptied because of the fight last issue. Um and Magneto considers it, basically. Cause they talk about it. It's like, yeah, we're at a truce right now because of the stuff that happened last issue. But you know, you know, your school and our power, we can we can do some things based on what Sebastian Shaw says. So, Nightcrawler, who's running from a mob of humans, is a in a warehouse uh, where Kitty, when Kitty, uh, Peter, and Ileana teleport in and save him, he can't teleport out because he got hurt last issue. Like I said. Um, they confront him without showing his powers. Kitty talks to the crowd, you know, like, hey, how dare you? And what if I'm a mutant? And what if we're all mutants in? What if, so we look human? What you, what you going to do about it? So the crowd leaves after they talk to him and they grab Curtin. I mean, they grab Curtin and uh, teleport, teleport away after he said, after they ask him why he didn't teleport away, um, which he says why, because he thinks he's lost his powers. Uh, we see Storm and Wolverine talking as they're looking for Rachel in the last place that we see Rachel if you read the last issue uh, and that Wol- the last place that Wolverine sensed. They don't find her, but they talk about what Wolverine did to Rachel which is because he stabbed her for, for trying to attack the, the Black Queen, like I said. And whether or not he's going to be with the team and, uh, you know, what, is, what, is he going to be with the team or not the team, just like doing stuff on his own. Uh, they come to an understanding and they hold hands. Which I'm mm. sure that has shipped. That has been a lot of people shipped, uh, probably because of that one thing right there. Because they've always been kind of close anyway. Um, Tommy, the, the well, girl... I was say, hold on to that thought very. Actually, you know what? This issue is almost over. Then yeah, I'm gonna say, I got one more line to say. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, the girl mutant that was attacked in in L.A., finally makes it to New York, back to the Morlock tunnels, only to be killed by the Marauders, who we see front and center. And that's that for that issue. All right. Just a couple of notes from me. One, uh, I love how New York City centric this issue is. It actually brought a tear to my eye. Mm-hmm. Seeing uh, the World Trade Center, the two, the Twin Towers of the World, of the World Trade Center, uh, drawn by John Romita Jr. Uh, very early on as Rogue flies past. Uh, we also get uh, where uh, the, the, the part where they recap... Um, where they track down, where Wolverine and Storm track down Rachel Summers, uh, aka um, uh, I forget what they were calling her at this point. Was it Phoenix? Phoenix okay, yeah, right. Uh, at uh, the uh, the Delacorte Theater, uh, which is where Shakespeare in the Park is in Central Park. Um, you know, so that's it, a real place. Oh yeah. Oh cool. Del- I've I've been there um, for Shakespeare. I saw Patrick Stewart in The Tempest. Which yeah, there's an article, saw an article about that. He's doing that. They're putting that, they're doing that stuff for free now and putting them out. So that's funny. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I mean that that was that was that was pretty. Uh, you know, it was very uh, interesting to see uh, lots of cool little uh, New York landmarks being incorporated into this uh, into this issue. You know, it's been a while. You know, while we have been kind of uh, delving into some evergreen comic book topics when we're in the dc universe we never see stuff like this because they're in their own you know they're in their own made up place (laughs) so you know when you see um uh you know the new york that's outside your window it's kind of cool so now to to be fair though they do 
um, allude to some places in the DC universes, real places in the DC universes. I don't know how often they actually go there, but they have definitely references some real real war sure. places. So, but oh, yeah, sure. what you said was absolutely right, though. <laughs> All right, so X Factor number nine. All right, uh, let me flip to this book real quick. X Factor number nine. Uh, this is uh, written by Louis Simonson with pencils by a Terry Schumacher. So um, it's kind of jarring on the opening splash page to see uh, Uncle Sam all of a sudden being part of the Marvel Universe, but it is actually Mystique in disguise. It is uh, the erstwhile leader of the Freedom Force, the field leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Um, they are in Central Park to arrest Rusty Collins and Skids, his Morlock girlfriend. And uh, I think they as had just they, met, they didn't. They, they weren't going together just at the time. They, they had just met. I, I must. I, what I was going to say is, I'm probably uh, uh, putting a lot of history of these characters into. Um, into you know, taking that from my memory, we will be, yeah. You won't be the only one, trust me. <laughs> What's that? I said, you won't be the only one because there's there's right. some I would bring up also, right? Of reading, uh, of reading like official handbook entries of you know, in the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. So, um, so Freedom Force does its darndest to try to capture Rusty and Skids, and it really doesn't work. Meanwhile, X-Factor, a.k.a. the Exterminators, a.k.a. whatever they're going by in those blue and white uniforms, catches wind of what's going on across the park, and they're trying to get there on foot because they're trying to perpetrate like they're human, or at least just human. Um, while they're in pursuit, they, they, uh, this issue crosses over into the events of the Uncanny issue we just discussed, where X-Factor runs into um, Eric Lencher, a.k.a. Magneto, walking into the entrance to the Hellfire Club. And they hesitate, uh, thinking that they're in public, they're going to blow their their cover as uh, X-Factor. So um, they decide not to engage, but what we discover, I guess, having read the X-Men uh, issue prior to this, what we know is that Magneto knows who he's looking at. He knows what's up. He recognizes all these characters. So, um, he, uh, you know, he has an, you know, he's trying to figure out why they would, uh, uh, try to change the nature of their interactions with the world by saying that they're actually mutant hunters as opposed to mutants and proud of it. Uh, meanwhile, we flip back to Rusty and Skids getting caught up in the psionic web of Julia Carpenter, a.k.a. the Spider-Woman, who nobody knows. Um, hey, she's, that's not fair. She's literally the Spider-Woman character I did not want to buy as a Marvel legend. So... <laughs> Look, she was a part of... She was a part of the... Well, she was paddling around with her because I don't can't remember. She was She was a wackos. She was in Force Works. Look, people know her. And she was also at this time kind of coming off of uh, what's well, so she can, like I said earlier, she was also coming off of uh, superhero, super secret wars where she got her powers, so she's fairly new. And I think she had been the reason why she's with Freedom Force was because she uh, she had done something, she had done a crime, and to atone for it, she's working for the government. 
I, 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 um, I'm obviously speaking tongue in cheek, but sort of. I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. Well, well, I mean, you are kind of right because, the, like I said, most Spider Woman they people would know at this point one probably would be Spider Gwen. You know. Um, right. And then Jessica Drew, who was the original. So. Right. And what up? Some probably right. probably knows uh, Aranya, but who's. Mm. So uh, just as a quick aside, uh, at this point in Marvel history, we had already had Secret Wars 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. So because the X-Men issues of the Secret Wars 2 crossover happened maybe a few issues prior to the beginning of this event. So you know, like, a, like, a, like maybe half a year's worth. So it's really not that far in real time. Um, getting back to the story at hand... Um, Rusty and Skids are just about to get pinched by the Fuzz, a.k.a. Freedom Force, when the crowd decides to uh, uh, interject. Well, at least maybe not the crowd, but a police officer decides to fire upon Freedom Force, and uh, that gets the attention of X-Factor, a.k.a. the Exterminators, a.k.a. um, uh, uh, the original X-Men, they descend upon what is essentially degenerating into a riot scene where a crowd is literally, literally throwing eggs. Man, you got to love 1980s New York. They're throwing eggs at Freedom Force, at the blob, eggs at the fat guy. Oy, oy, oy. So... <laughs> So, so X Factor uh, intervenes on Freedom Force's behalf. They uh, they claim to have put up a technological force field when, in fact, Jean Grey is putting up a telekinetic uh, field to try to shield Freedom Force from the awful, awful egg throwing uh, New York crowd. Uh, we flashback. Sorry, sorry. Hold on for a second. This is also against their better judgment because they don't really want to do it, but at the same time, they they are still mutants and they still are trying to protect them right. and also see what's going on. Anyway, right, right, right. So uh, you know, meanwhile, as uh, as they're able to get the crowd to disperse, um, Rusty and Skids descend into the Morlock tunnels for alleged safety uh, because that is where Skids is from. Uh, we. Uh, we get a hint of actually I don't know how often she's come up prior to this, but uh, we get we get more of a uh, backstory with a character named Trish Tilby, who is a reporter that is following X Factor's exploits. Um, um, I can I can explain that real quick. She gets introduced a couple of issues prior to this in X Factor. There you go. Well, I know that she becomes involved with the Beast later she on. She definitely does. And they get into it. This is like their first meeting and getting into it because they're kind of sparring off against each other at, at this point. So, yeah, this right. is before their relationship starts. Right. Uh, meanwhile, we are brought back to the X-Factor complex where Artie Maddox is um, uh, 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 seeing visions of what is uh, happening underneath the city uh underneath the streets of the new york of new york city in the morlock tunnels and in the in the sewer system and he is trying to get help he's trying to go to cameron hodge but we know who cameron hodge is especially if you read the information uh, uh, 
You know? Exactly. At extermination agenda. Come on. You know who Cameron Hodge is. So you know he is up to no good. Uh, he is the director of public relations for X Factor, and he is a friend of Warren Worthington III, a.k.a. The Angel. And uh, bad things are afoot when Cameron Hodge is around. Friends in quote. Yes. Uh, Artie decides to literally trace a drawing of his visions onto a wall so that he can leave a message as he is mute, by the way. Artie is, in fact, mute. Um, he, he leaves a, a, a visual message for the members of X Factor uh, to leave them a clue as to where he is going. And we get the first meeting of the two buddies who are not buddies at this time. I believe this is their first meeting. The What I'm referring to is the meeting of Artie and Leech in the Morlock Tunnels. Leech is a mutant who basically cancels out any super abilities when he is within a certain range of them. So um, the X Factor team decides to uh, track down Artie because they, you know, they're following the visions that he and the drawings that he left behind. Um, Artie and Leech are in the Morlock tunnels and Leech uh, takes Artie to meet another mutant who uh, will have uh, more parts, uh, larger parts to play later on. Speaking, uh, 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 I'm speaking of Caliban, another Morlock who, um, if you did not know, is actually a mutant with the mutant power of detecting other mutants, much like a mobile Cerebro unit. Yeah, and this is pre-Horsemen um, of the Apocalypse, which some of that will come into play in this also. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, in the tunnels where run, where, where uh, Rusty and Skids are trying to hide out, Freedom Force catches up to them. And uh, the Blob is uh, laying the smack down on uh, Rusty for, uh, you know, making him, you know, crawl through the sewers. <laughs> and he's about to kill him when Cyclops intervenes with an optic blast. And the rest of X Factor uh, form up, and um, a battle ensues between Freedom Force and X Factor in the Morlock tunnels. Lots of fisticuffs ensue. Um, Destiny calls it all off because she is a precog, a uh, precognitive. And she sees nothing but death if they decide to remain in the Morlock tunnels. So Mystique, her lover, calls a hasty retreat for Freedom Force. They withdraw uh, when Avalon, when Avalanche basically uh, brings the roof down. That's that's his move. When Avalanche brings the roof down onto uh, X Factor, and they are forced to split up. Um, Gene and Angel take Rusty and Skids back to the surface to the X-Factor compound while Beast, Cyclops, and Iceman make their way further into the Morlock tunnels. Finally, we end the, uh, we end the issue uh, in a conference room in the Pentagon where Valerie Cooper, uh, the, um, uh, who, who runs a special part of... Um, 
the, the defense agency that's known as Freedom Force. And uh, she's basically dressing down Mystique and the rest of Freedom Force for letting Rusty and Skids get away. Uh, we end this issue with uh, Mystique using the... <laughs> goodness, this is so uh, salient and so relevant in... Um, in the age of the grifter president, we we have uh, Mystique using the power of the federal government to bring down uh, Warren Worthington and X-Factor because they have the wherewithal to do so. Yep. Um, also worth noting, Valerie Cooper one time liaison to the Avengers, I believe, after Garrick, something like that. But I know she's definitely, you know, anytime you've, you know, you've seen some superheroes affairs of the government you would either see guy Rick or val cooper at this time so yeah i was about to say specifically x related though yes specifically mutant related you would see valerie cooper yes well she has been around avengers but yes you are absolutely right all right next up uh next up we go to uncanny x-men number 211 and i have always loved this cover let me switch back over to it or these covers specifically because this was a part of marvel's 25th anniversary and i kind of wish i had bigger versions of these but i didn't think about it um earlier but here you go if you give me time i go downstairs get my copy out of the drawer box well, I'm, I mean, I'm showing it, but it's not, it's like a, it's, it's not the it's not a big big version. It's the uh, the Marvel Unlimited version, so mm-hmm. and it doesn't blow out. Anyway, so yeah, so you see uh, Wolverine here, kind of battle battle worn Wolverine, and you see the border with all the major um, Marvel characters around it because again, twenty fifth twenty fifth anniversary of Marvel at this time. 1986 folks um all of the books of this month have have a similar color cover so you will this won't be the first time you see a cover like this during this event anyway going into the thing um here we go we get a formal introductions into the marauders who go on the killing spree in the morlock tunnels uh some Morlocks try to defend themselves but to, to varying degrees of work specifically um piper calls out a bunch of um alligators for some odd reason some to I think some to maybe go after the murders and some to warn folks. I'm not even sure, but we actually the, the alligators kind of come into the place order elsewhere, as you will see. Um, cut to Xavier School. But, what, hold on to that thought. The pages that you were referring to are probably um, the most probably some of the most massacreiest pages in this event. Oh yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, like they just it, go. Falling left and right in the several pages. Although, if I'm not mistaken, I think it is the next book or X Factor where you just see just 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 all out ones. Like you see a lot of killings here, but it's just like a bunch of them. Just like they just start out like here. Yeah, they definitely start out just killing a bunch of folks. But that's just gonna be a running theme in the next couple of issues mm-hmm. uh, until things start turning around. So yeah. Uh, but anywho, we cut to Xavier School where the new mutants and X-Men are going about their day. Wolverine gets upset at, that uh, Colossus and Rogue wants him to rest because, you know, there was a lot of fighting and he got hurt in. Even though he's got a, a healing factor, he still, you know, still can get hurt enough to, to uh, be ineffective. Um, so he gets mad of that and walks off. Uh, I was about to say, I thought it was... This is kind of a, 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 a dangling plot line that was picked up here and there by Claremont and all the other Wolverine writers. 
where at this stage in the history of the Marvel Universe, Wolverine was not wearing down, but definitely, uh, you know, they were trying to um, create some weaknesses for him. And one of them was that his healing factor wasn't able to keep up with the injuries that he was sustaining. Yes. Um, Kitty Pride grabbed some snacks uh, in her little nighty. Don't ask me why I brought that up because it's, a, it's a, well, kind of actually. I bring this up because because uh, Magne- uh, Magneto's kind of just standing there at the door watching her get snacks out of the refrigerator. I'm feeling like, is, is he really creeping? And and also, comic books at the time kind of like, all right, you know, get a little water. But whatever. And she's a teenage kid, so stop it. Anyway, Kitty, she grabs some snacks on the beat, interrupted by Magneto, who kind of like, hey, like you shouldn't be raiding the fridge like that. And she was like, hey, I got a turn paper uh, coming up, so I need snacks. You know, this is still school after all. So Magneto's like, all right, Cole, do your thing. Just don't let it be a big thing. So she um, uses her power, goes upstairs to her room where Ilana is waiting for some snacks because she was hungry because she was studying. Uh, Nightcrawler uh, teleports to Wolverine, but he's still hurt. So he's actually finally able to worry, uh, to uh, teleport again, but he's still hurt. So the the act kind of does him some more harm than good. He plops in in Wolverine's arms, and they both are like, "Yeah." Uh, well, Nightcrawler's like, "Yeah, we're not really good for anybody right now, huh?" But yeah, so they go off and drink beer. But before they could do that, uh, a Morlock. Uh, comes from underground and asks for the help for the X-Men's help and then dies. They basically say, you know, mentions the, the Marauders and that the Morlocks are dying and then it dies or he dies or she dies. I'm not sure what it is. So it's a big mold looking creature. So I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> Either way, Psylocke pre body swap because this is also before Psylocke got her uh, got her body swap on. And so this, oh, is... this is early, early Psylocke. Mm-hmm. This is. Post- this... I Psylocke, but it's still pre, like you said, pre body swap, pre Quanon, mm-hmm. Acts of Vengeance. Yes. This is even pre pink and purple armor. This is really early Psylocke. This, yes, this is before. And that's right, because it was, matter of fact, it was before, I think it was like after here or something where she gets, it was one of these right. other events where she gets, she gets that armor. Right. Well, what I was going to say is she's actually, just as a footnote uh, in in in, in uh, and, and you'll continue. She's actually not a member of the X Men at this Correct. point. Correct. I was going to mention that actually. So yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, she's but she's with the X Men, and she's kind of you know. Um, I think I just when she was kind of like, like Counselor Troy in a way, but she's also apparently has had some you know some medical training or something going on because she kind of helps with the sick uh, in various ways. I think she was also a part of some things that were happening in the new mutants if i'm not mistaken yes so but i wasn't reading new mutants at the time but i believe that's where she had appeared previously that sounds about right yeah because she was kind of like mentoring them or something uh around the time if i remember correctly yeah i was kind of off and on that book because of stuff about this so to continue um Psylocke tells basically what she saw in that morlock's uh dying memories and talks about the marauders killing folks and Storm, so Storm makes the, the executive decision to go and help the Morlocks down in the tunnels, because after all, those are her people too, because she, she's the, the leader of the Morlocks. She also tells Magneto that he should stay behind because he's the headmaster of the school, and if anything happens to them down there, might need to, you know, you know someone has to defend the school, uh, along with the, the new mutants. 
you know. So the team gets teleported to the total tunnels by uh, magic. Uh, they see Callisto and others in the, uh, I believe they call it the alley. And others are hurt, but uh, and they try to do what they can to help them, but they get attacked by the Marauders. Uh, and it just so happened that some of the X-Men here, like probably about four or five of them, uh, had fought one of the um, Marauders Vertigo before, so they knew how to fight her. So that kind of helped. But um, they and they made good, you know, they made sure to mention that to folks. Because uh, they used to do that a lot right this time. You see a little footnotes down at the, the, the bottom of a panel or whatever. Anyway, Nightcrawler takes out Vertigo but gets hurt by Riptide because he tries to teleport and he takes out and, and in doing so kind of hurts himself a little bit more. So he gets uh, hurt by Riptide who is basically like Whirlwind and he's like and he's got like uh, shurikens that he either has on him and can throw out like really fast and he spins mm-hmm. in a circle like Tasmanian Dead Devil. Right. That's basically his shtick. Yes. Um, so he gets hurt from that, but he's not dead. Uh, Storm tells Magic to teleport. Uh, Matt to, tells Magic to teleport the wounded back to the mansion and do not come back with the, the new mutants because she was like, "Do you want me to bring uh, enforcement?" And Storm's like, "Nope, don't you do it." Uh, Storm then does does what uh, you never do uh, in most cases, according to D and D rules. She splits the parties up. She splits the team up to try to save more Morlocks and to deal with the Marauders. Because as we will find out, that that doesn't always go well, especially where X-Factor is concerned in this case. Scalp Hunter, one of the... Um, I guess he's the leader of the... the uh, of this the field leader of this... Uh, of the, the Marauders. Guns down the whole bunch of other folks, including uh, Anna Lee, who was like a... I don't know what a party part was, but she was kind of like a nanny. And there were some kids around with her she was trying to protect, but he killed them all. That will come back into play in a little bit. Colossus and Kitty hears the shots and um, takes on him and Arclight, who just so happens to show up, who's another marauder. But Arclight gets the better of Colossus and buries him under some a bunch of rubble. Scalpulcher tries to shoot Kitty, but it doesn't work because she phased, because that's her priority, power. Uh, Kitty goes to talk kind of tough, but then she's like, uh, I need to go save Colossus. And while she's leaving, she was like, yeah, I couldn't actually kill her, but I had to talk tough and, and channel Wolverine because, you know, that's what you do. Because she could have, because she even said she could have easily killed him, but she's got to go look at her, look into her teammate first, which was a kind of a cop out because she definitely could have, she definitely could have ended part of the, the whole, this whole thing by taking some action. But eh, this is what happens. Uh, and also probably comic code, but whatever. Okay, and this is also pre-Kitty Pride and Wolverine limited series. Correct. Um, yeah, so she goes to see about Colossus and that's that. Storm, Wolverine, and Rogue find some more Morlocks and tries to lead them out of the tunnels but get met with a, a Cyclops's, um, or almost get met with one of Cyclops's, um optic blasts which just happened to be coming down a tunnel and they're like, wait, that's an optic blast. What's, why are they here? And Wolverine's like, yeah, it's all of them. It's the original X-Men. So let's go see what the, why they're down here. Uh, but they can't do that because the tunnel gets collapsed the, from the way that the optic blast came from. So they couldn't do that. They also get attacked by the Marauders at this time. Um, so, yeah. Wolverine and Harpoon kind of hurt each other. Uh, Storm and Callisto take down Scrambler, whose Scrambler is kind of like uh, Rogue. He can take take people's powers. Actually, he can. He's more like Leech. Actually, he touches you and he takes your powers away. So, 
Well, I know. So it's uh, what, what, what I'm gonna call it. He touches you and you lose control of your powers, really. Oh, I thought it was lose part because there were people that just straight up lost their powers when he touched them. I think that's what I think that's what his uh, which call it. I think that's what he he normally does, mm. but sometimes uh, which call it. If I'm not mistaken, Scrambler, um, if he touches you, um, can you know can cause you to lose control of your powers too. If I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken. No, you're probably right. You're probably right because with a name like Scrambler, that sounds more off the, more right than not. But he and Rogue touch each other and they cancel each other out. So, <laughs> uh, and they're kind of dazed for a second. Which mean, which uh, Harpoon kind of takes advantage of and tries to kill Rogue with one of his spears, but Kitty gets in the way and phases her out. Phases her right, but phases her out. Excuse me, but still manages to get hit with the uh, the harpoon. With and I should point out, this is an energy harpoon that Harpoon uh, that uh, Harpoon actually uses an energy spear that Harpoon uses. So you can make some distinction there. Um, and it disrupts her powers, making it like she can't unphase or that she, she can't unphase anymore. But we don't find this out until a little bit, but we'll get to that. Um, Colossus breaks uh, Riptide's neck in dramatic fashion. This <laughs> is <laughs> so like Harpoon, make, make peace with what little god, you, what, what god you got because you're next. But Harpoon's already gone by this time. Which right. I remember reading this and I was like, dang, Colossus is usually gentle. So that's this is. And again, this is not the first time we... Well, this is actually one of the first time probably we see Colossus kind of in this state or one mm-hmm. of the first times, now that I think about it. But it's probably some other times. But he's normally well, gentle, pretty right. gentle. What's funny about this, and it's really one of the... the Obviously, I'd have to do more reading mm-hmm. to confirm this. But as far as I can recall, this is one of the first times you actually see... Um, kind of regular weaponry piercing Colossus's organic steel armor. Granted, it's weaponry that's being hurled by Riptide at amazing speed, so it's being delivered with, you know, um, uh, tons of force um, to, to be able to penetrate, but it's it's not something you see all the time. So he's literally wounded in several places. Um, and this comes to, this, this, this becomes a point later on in the cross story but when we see the panel that portrays colossus just prior to uh literally breaking riptide's neck uh he is gravely wounded we just don't see the blood because he doesn't have any when he's in organic steel form so uh he is gravely wounded but uh as you said it's a pretty badass scene where he does the deed and you know, uh, threatens the life of the Eskimo with the spears um, for, uh, for for impaling him with said spears just previously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... Are very good at um, hitting and running in this story. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of that that ends up happening. <laughs> there's a lot of hit and run tactics. So, um, yes. Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah. Um, so, we find out that Kitty is stuck in phase state. Uh, Rogue wants revenge, uh, but but Storm's like, no, no, we got to get these people back to the mansion because these people are hurt. So do we, we, you know, we, we don't have time for that. But she does go and tell Wolverine to go and find the prisoner to interrogate, so we can find out what's really going on around here. But the rest of the Marauders is his, so kill him, do it, do whatever you want, dude. And then that's where we end this book. This is you. 
Yeah, uh, more, more, you know, just lots and lots of, you know, the, the body count is racking up in this issue. Mm-hmm. And now we move to X-Factor uh, number 10. X-Factor number 10. This is a Walt Simonson cover of Cyclops on uh, the 25th anniversary background. Um, we find ourselves oh this is a an issue written by louise simonson and art on this book is by her husband walter simonson we uh find ourselves at the beginning of this issue back in another part of the morlock tunnels um where uh the marauders have uh are, are still you know kind of on the rampage um X-Factor is still, at this point, splitting up with Angel and Jean Grey withdrawing with the, bot, with the, uh, the wounded Rusty and Skids heading back to the X-Factor compound while Cyclops, Beast, and Iceman are uh, diving deeper into the Morlock tunnels where they come upon yet more massacring being of the Morlocks being done in the alley. Um... Arclight and Harpoon are the main uh, marauders in this late in this uh, latest skirmish between um, uh, between hero and villain. Uh, like I said, lots of hitting and running. Arclight is is um, another one like Avalanche. Avalanche who's good at bringing the roof down so that they can cover their escape. Um, Jean Grey and Angel finally make it up to the X Factor um, uh, building, and some more confusion about their actual status as mutant hunters or mutant saviors or mutant helpers or mutant sympathizers. Um, you know, some confusion arises when uh, Cameron Hodge uh, comes on uh, FaceTime and. <laughs> And um, and <laughs> like wait a second, he's the PR guy for X Factor. I've seen him on TV. Who are you guys? You're a bunch of liars. This is an ongoing um, uh, aspect of the story in this uh, particular crossover, as we mentioned uh, earlier. Um, meanwhile, we flip to the first appearance of uh, a particularly dangerous. Uh, member of the Marauders who heretofore had not yet really been seen. I guess he had been skulking in the shadows. Um, Caliban, Artie, and Leech have the unfortunate luck of running into one Victor Creed, a.k.a. Sabretooth. Artie and Leech, you know, crawl away into, uh, or, or try to crawl away into uh, 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 tubes in the sewer and uh, get deep in just just deep enough in where they don't see who in fact uh, saves them at least temporarily from Sabretooth that being Cyclops Beast and Iceman um, Cyclops being unfamiliar with Sabretooth does not finish him off and uh Sabretooth's healing factor kicks in and helps him to recover quickly and um, 
you know, he's back on the prowl going after Artie Leach and Caliban. Meanwhile, in the Pentagon headquarters of Freedom Force, um, Mystique has been successful in using the powers, the misapplied powers of the uh, United States government and uh, has exposed, has, has leaked the expose to Trish Tilby about the true nature of Warren Worthington, uh, of his uh, status as a mutant and of his backing of X Factor. Uh, the news travels quickly, even pre-internet, and it reaches the uh, boardroom of um, the Worthington building where Candy Southern, who is running a meeting um, of the board, I guess, um, of, of uh, Worthington Industries, uh, gets wind of this and has to uh, postpone the meeting. Um, Candy Southern is, uh, at this time, and, pre- and, and, and was established previously as um, a love interest for uh, Warren Worthington, a.k.a. the Angel. Um, we also have uh, in the infirmary, as Rusty is being looked at by a doctor that had been called in, um, Warren actually catches part of the news telecast where he's been outed by Trish Tilby. Uh, we flash to what's happening in the Morlock tunnels. Uh, another character who heretofore we had not seen as a member of the marauders that being blockbuster who is you know much like his name a powerhouse uh basically uh a big bruiser type and he is um uh engaging with some of uh engaging with some of the more combative morlocks you know uh what did they call them the what's that the the morlocks that were that were um uh, that, that that were more combat ready. There's a there, there's a name for them. Uh you know what? And I don't remember. It comes up later. We'll see yeah. it later. Yeah. But is that we'll see it later. But in any event, um, some of these Morlocks decide to put up a better fight than others, and uh, uh, Iceman and Beast and Cyclops are trying to uh, give them aid, and uh, they uh, take on Vertigo and Blockbuster. Um, again, more hit and run tactics. As soon as the odds don't favor the more the the uh, the marauders, they 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 swiftly retreat, leaving the uh, heroes to lick their wounds and pick up their wounded. Uh, Artie and Leech, meanwhile, are still uh, trying to uh, fend for themselves in the tunnels. Um, we flash to. The X Factor Infirmary, where uh, Angel and Jean are discussing the recent events of um, his essential unmasking and the reveal that uh, you know of the big secrets behind uh, the uh, the mission and the existence of X Factor. Unfortunately, this leads to not a kiss, but definitely. Uh, 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 a moment between friends that is misinterpreted by one Candy Southern who thinks that Jean Grey's superpower is wrecking enough relationships and wrecking lives. So, um, you know, actually, you know, that her real power is to make men fall in love with her and, and then destroy them. 
gotta love it. Kind gotta of, kind of not wrong. And and if 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 you take it in a certain way, like it ain't her fault, but right. It tends to be a story that follows her around, right? Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. So uh, Jean uh, is heading back to the tunnels, and Angel decides to follow her. Um, we flash to an interesting uh, interlude uh, in the story. Very interesting, where Harpoon and Sabretooth are taking on uh, a member of the... Morlocks, an old woman who is at this point. Her name is uh, Plague and not. Uh, yes, yeah, that's what I was going to say. She does have a code name I can remember. Thank you. And this is also before. Um, well, you're about to get into it. Never mind. Go ahead. Right. I was about to say it's a one page interlude. <laughs> so uh, this character's name is Plague and uh, uh, one. Uh, Sabanur, aka Apocalypse, decides to butt in and uh, uh, takes out Harpoon while um, Plague had uh, put the whammy on Sabretooth, at least temporarily, because of the nature of her power, making him, uh, making Sabretooth uh, feel like he's sick. You know, lucky for him, he's got a healing factor. Apocalypse takes out Harpoon while uh, Sabretooth is down and out and, um, uh, and, and, and takes Plague away and essentially christens her Pestilence, first horseman of Apocalypse. And we will see this character return in later issues of X-Factor. Yep. Um, I love Louise Simonson's scripting on this. The caption reads... Ages later, uh, Jean Grey and uh, the Angel have made their way back down into the Morlock Tunnels, and they catch up with what is, um, you know, and they hear things happening, and the and the sound leads them towards the battles. Um, more uh, marauders who uh, more marauders uh, appear out of the woodwork. We have Arclight being joined by Scrambler and, uh, what is this dude's name? Prism. Prism doesn't last long. No, he looks like Martin X from the, from the OG um, Guardians of the Galaxy, but not really. Right. Prism uh, is introduced literally on one page. <laughs> he reflects... He does something actually pretty neat, which is reflecting the full force uh, and probably magnified of the optic blast fired by Cyclops Adam back at Cyclops. And Gene, in a fit of murderous rage, picks up Prism and smashes him against the wall, smashes him against the wall. We had seen Prism for the grand total of one, two, three, four, five. And he's smashed into pieces in the sixth panel that he that we see him in. Gotta love it. Arclight makes uh, uh, makes makes a makes a run for it with uh, the disabled scrambler uh, over her shoulder. Like I said, lots of hit and run stuff. As soon as they can, they have the chance to withdraw. The marauders do it. They don't wait at all, um, and they'll bring the, the 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 roof down behind them to cover their escape. 
Now we've got lots more wounded for the X-Factor team to deal with. Uh, Cyclops is down and out. The Beast at one point had uh, become wounded when he was fighting Harpoon, and it has progressively gotten worse. So now Iceman puts up an ice wall to uh, cover their retreat as Jean Grey and Iceman take Cyclops and Beast uh, towards the surface and the X-Factor um, uh, compound. Meanwhile, Angel is making his way into the tunnels. And you know what? Just Here as a we quick... Go. I was about to say, as a quick note, before we get to this uh, pretty important part of the story, I wanted to note that it was refreshing to see how dense how densely packed some of these stories were. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of reading on these pages. Yeah. There's lots of dialogue and there's lots of panels and it's not something we're used to seeing nowadays. That's just true. Yeah. There was definitely a lot more panel work and exposition going on in, in, in books at the time. Like we've had already said this on crisis, you know, but you know, yeah, that was definitely a lot. Now granted Marvel and DC kind of split how they did it, as you can see here. And granted, this is also two different times from crisis to this. Right. No, actually, wait. Uh, eighty six. No, it wasn't. It, that, so it actually, was around. Right. It's it's soon after. It's yeah. not that after. It's soon after. But it's regardless, like yeah. But but the way basically is what I was getting to, which I guess it still applies, is that the the way they handled all the text uh, or the amount of text they put on the page is kind of differing between Marvel and DC, but still a lot between both. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. People are a lot more verbose. Yes. Back. So, you know, even if they're trying to say some of the simplest things, lots of things, lots of things are said in declaration mode, yeah. you know, lots of declarations of, uh, of, of ill intent and, and, and lots of other things going on. Angel basically, Angel uh, runs into Leech, but they also themselves run into more marauders, namely Vertigo, Harpoon, and Blockbuster, and things go very badly for Warren Worthington III. Wait, Artie, not Leech. Oh no! I'm sorry. Did I say Leech? Yeah. I meant Artie. Yeah, because yeah, cause I, I think cause you may have said it, but yeah, Artie had broke away from Leech and to go to go ahead get get help, and he picked up the scent of the uh, X Factor, and yeah. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. No, I'm, I I I I probably uh, I probably I probably glossed right over it, but unfortunately, getting back to the travails of Warren Worthington III, he's outnumbered and outmatched, especially in the tight confines of the section of the alley that they find themselves in, and Harpoon and Blockbuster overpower him. Even though he's able to take out Vertigo, the other two overpower him, and in some really, really, even though it's not depicted graphically, you just know what it's, what's happening. The angel is being impaled into the walls by Harpoon's of... of uh, of high power energy and his wings are being impaled. He's being hung up to dry and uh, being ready, uh, being readied for a kill shot as the cliffhanger, not page, the cliffhanger panel leaves us all of this happening in the span of a few panels. And it is epic, epic stuff. Shout out to Walt Simonson for, you know, like cramming all this stuff into, uh, into two pages. Right. Yeah, meanwhile, um, uh, Angel's having an internal, while he's getting impaled and his uh, wings getting crumpled up, he's having an inner monologue a bit his, uh, uh, with himself about, you know, the things that happened in the book about between him and Angel and, I mean, him and G 
Gene and Candy and you know, oh, well, it's me. I've, I've done some things, and this this was a bad idea doing X Factor, you know, because a lot of that kind of came out of the, in the course of this issue. And it's like, uh, and then he gets to the realization, oh wait, already can't talk, but he sent, but he sent them for help. Like, yeah, already can't talk in like like the way we're talking right now, but he can convey images or whatnot, but he can't like verbally talk so he just finally realized as he blacks out oh wait this was a that was a bad idea to send him off to to get help when he can't actually talk right well you know this right. is all this is all very very unfortunate timing for the angel and as i said he's left impaled on the wall and bad things are uh, set to happen and yep. move into the next issue New Mutants uh, 46, which granted is is kind of like a side issue to a point, but it's also in the between the, the you know the the uh, the this one and the next one because some things happen on the side, but it's still kind of involved. Uh, but anyway, New Mutants number 46. Um, here's my notes, and let me pull that back on the screen and go. The New Mutants are awoken from their slumber by uh, Lockheed's roar, and they go to in- investigate. Uh, Danny sees death. By the way, Danny Moonstar, who is the, basically the, the the field leader of the New Mutants, I think along with uh, Cannonball, if I'm not mistaken, uh, she is a mutant that uh, can see visions from other, can, can basically make holograms appear, but, but she's also a Valkyrie. She had she'd recently got that power uh, as of, I don't know how often before this issue happened. So, with her Valkyrie powers, she sees death all across the um, all across the um, I mean, not across, but on on the school, on top of the school. But she's not sure where it's coming from. Just death right there. Like, hey, how you doing? Anyway, magic uh, goes to get Mariah McTaggart, who's taking a shower. Hold, hold that thought. If you thought that 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 whole tr- the whole trope that was going on in the Jane Foster Valkyrie thing was new, it's not. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You know, about seeing the image of death amongst the living, you know, hovering amongst the living. Um, I, you know, it, it's apparently been going on for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Like I said, prior to the, right prior to this, uh, she got her, she became a Valkyrie. And I want to say there's there's definitely an event that, that um, outside of, well, one, outside of the last um, War of the Realms and, uh, and uh, Fearless Defenders book addresses some of that. Yeah, I wonder if they ever depicted Brunhilde as having this ability, you know, like you know, graphically, you know what I mean? Like having the image of death. That's yeah, that's you know, question. I'm not sure. Yeah. Kind of interesting. That's why I said I was struck by I was struck when I saw this. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, so they have, you know, you know, used this interpretation before of the Valkyrie's powers. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's the first time they did it. Yeah, I kind of wonder, but I'm sure somebody will write that article at some point when they see this, because we got fans out there. No, I'm just kidding. That's stop. right. <laughs> Let me stop. But back, get it back to the book, though. Um, so yeah, Magic goes to get Moira McTaggart from Ireland, and Mariah's taking. Myra is taking a shower. So Magic is like, "Hey, yeah, we got to go because things have happened um, at the at the mansion." Didn't think, didn't wait for her to, uh, you know, put some clothes on and thing. But also at the same time, she and Banshee are are lovers. Which I think they had already had for a while, but regardless, and he sleeps, so he don't know none of this. But Magic left a note for for him for about that reason. Uh, so they teleport away, but they're stuck in limbo for a minute because, or for a minute or two, because apparently 
uh, magic cannot control. I don't know. There's some aspect of her power, and I'm not too full of it. She can teleport, and she uses uh, Limbo to teleport through, but she also goes through time and space at the same time, or potentially can. And she kind of can't control that fully at this point. Uh, but she ends up getting to, to Limbo, and they're sitting there talking, and she um, tells Myra, Myra McTaggart what's going on with the mansion. And as soon as time catches back up, they teleport back into the uh, back to the mansion. Um, she also, before they do that, makes, uh, makes, uh, Mariah, Myra some clothes because she's also magic. If the name didn't tell you anything. Um, so let's see, we see the X-Men coming back from the Morlock tunnels, which is where this takes place, um, with the wounded and everybody sets up a hospital and temporary housing for them all. Uh, the new mutants try to help out. Some of them make some mistakes and the X-Men have to kind of pick the X-Men and, um, Psylocke at this point have to kind of help, you know, with something that happens. So some of them are feeling kind of useless because of the fact, you know, that, like they're tired and some, or some aspect of the power they couldn't do what it needed to do at the time. One particularly Sunspot, AKA Roberto DaCosta, um, as we will see in a second, uh, uh, Danny Moonstar still sees death around people, specific people in um, in general, and she's kind of freaked out. Uh, Roberto, aka Sunspot, gets goes into the kitchen, try to get him a, get him a snack. Runs across Ronnie Rain, excuse me, ha 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 ha. Uh, Rain Wolfbane, who is making sandwiches for the wounded folks, and he tries to take one. And I she, thought that we learned how to finally pronounce that. Yes, we did. Jeez, for. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so yeah, and Rain's in there take, making uh, making sandwiches for the wounded, and I'm glad that you remembered because I don't think I remembered, and I would have said Ronnie, and <laughs> I mean, you know, I would been like, "What the hell are you talking?" Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I I will still, as you can see, I will still say it, and I, and I did that intentionally, but I will still just go through both of them just because I'm stupid like that. But I would have done it too. I would have forgotten. Go on. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt. No, no, you're good. Um. Uh. So yeah. So. Rain taps his hand with the spat with the wooden spoon, talking about no, these are for the wounded. So he gets pissed off and flips the table, literally. Um and because he's mad at people, you know, chastising him. Um, you know, all because Magneto did just just a minute ago or a minute prior to do this. So that starts a fight. She goes into Wolfbane mode. Danny uh feels this because she has a link with Rain. Um a psychic link with Rain when she's in this mode. So she and uh, Cannon, Cannonball Sam Guthrie run in and stop the fight. Doug notices, but meanwhile, Doug kind of notices Warlock on the front stoop looking around with sensors and just kind of being freaked out, but not saying why. Um, and he just kind of ponders under this. Uh, Shan calls her family, who is also called Karma. Shan is called Karma uh, in this. She's a new mutant. She calls her family and is worried about them. Uh, and Magic runs in, walks in, and is like, well, she's so worried. Let's go get him. And they teleport out to go get her family. Uh, Doug, who, aka Cypher, whose only power is being able to talk to anybody because he can he can He's basically Duolingo. He's excuse me. He's basically uh, the Rosetta Stone of mutants, right? He's a universal translator, exactly. So, 
Oh man, Fall of the Mutants. Anyway, um, so Doug tells the rest of them, he's also kind of one of the younger, so he's a little you know, wishy-washy and a lot of stuff. Anyway, uh, Doug tells the rest of the new mutants about Shan and Magic because he happened to be there, you know, when they were teleporting. And they told uh, they told him. Uh, so he goes around and tells everybody else. Go cut back to Shan's apartment where she and Magic doesn't find her family, and it's dark. Shan turns on a light, and then there's an explosion, and we cut away from that. Uh, the rest of the new mutants to try to call at some point, I guess this is a little bit later, try to call Shan's apartment, but don't get no answer. Uh, they decided to go find them because it's been a while, as, as they say. Um, but so they head out through the Morlock tunnels, like they cut a pass through the Morlock tunnels so they, so that they, um, they would not be seen by the X-Men and they don't tell the X-Men that they're going to doing this because the X-Men told them to stay put. Um, Warlock turns into a car and says he's been scanning wild data. He's still kind of freaked out. And Doug and um, um, Danny talk about this for a second, so they're kind of worried about that. And there was all and something that comes into play, and then a little bit also uh, kind of comes up is because I think there was an issue of like why can't they fly or something. Mm-hmm. But that comes up later. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. They come back above ground near Shan's apartment after traveling the tunnels and curses out the Marauders because I guess they see, they don't necessarily show it, but they see, they must have seen a lot of the deaths that are going on in the Morlock tunnels because of the Marauders. Right. Uh, that, that's a, that's an, un, it's a unintended byproduct of Warlock forcing them to ride in the Warlock mobile through the tunnels. They actually run into all the bodies. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they, and they couldn't go fly anyway because they probably would have been seen on the, the grounds anyway, leaving the campus. So, no, one way or the other. Um, well, I think what was intended is that once they got beyond where the X-Men sentry post is oh, in the right. tunnel, right, right. Chester to the New York City tunnels, um, they would, you know, get there as fast as possible. Sure. Uh, because of uh, Warlock, uh, and we'll get to it, you know, in, in, in a little while, why he's acting the way he is, acting strangely, um, because of his uh, insistence that they uh, go uh, by vehicle, mm-hmm. they run into all of the, they run into the aftermath of uh, the Marauders attacking, killing all the Morlocks. Yep. So to, to round this out, um, they see Shan's apartment and it's in flames because of the blast from earlier, but uh, they, they don't find uh, Shan, uh, they don't find Shan or Yana, who just so happens to be around the corner nursing their wounds, and they come, they they come up on them but they did get they say hey yeah we weren't in there but we did get hurt uh teleporting on the way out and shan kind of got the the worst of the two of them uh they think that the marauders did it and um and they go set out to find shan's siblings her brother and sister uh warlock freaks out and just grabs everybody and heads back into the tunnel like he just freaks the heck on out Goes back into the tunnels and just runs as fast as he can. But he runs into uh, the Magus, who happens to be his dad. <laughs> and yes, this is a, so basically this is a, a bigger, stockier version of Warlock. If you know what Warlock looks like, this uh, is not the other side. This is not the uh, the, uh, the evil Adam Warlock. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's different. Uh, different company. So different company. it's so wild, though, that uh, you know they're they're related to similarly named characters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's always funny when Marvel and DC kind of did stuff like that. Um, but last to Durandus Alf. So yeah, 
they get ambushed by the mages who's like ha 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 i got you now but and he goes to try to um infect them with what's called the transmode virus here but i believe this is the same as the techno organic virus if i'm not mistaken later on yep um but magic teleports them all away and says not today satan uh and mages stands there monologuing on his way out which gets um you know which gets brought up in issues after this but we won't worry about because this is the only one the new mutants issue that hits this particular event there you go so yeah so you what but back to what you have seen and what you will continue to see in a couple of cases like some of the stuff is inter intertwining between in stuff that is happening in the, each book's proper Mm-hmm. So you will definitely see some stuff that is like, well, what does this have to do with anything? Well, it has something to do with what's ongoing in the books proper. Right. Uh, and now we get to, and I know this is, and Agent Stephanie's probably happy about this. Oh, it's right up my alley. You yes, know this. Thor, are, 373. Yes. We are in the Thor issues of the crossover, the first of them. Mm-hmm is uh, number 373. It is written by one Walter Simonson, of course. This is towards the tail end of his run on the book. Um, the art is by Sal Buscema, and the lettering is always by the inev- by the inimitable John Workman, who is still lettering Walt Simonson's book to this day. He's working on Ragnarok. Unbelievable. So A Workman quality. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, I'm dying. Every time I've heard that turn, I was like, man, this guy must be. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) So funny. All right. So um, we open this crossover issue with Thor traveling. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before you get into that, we must know if you're watching the video, you are seeing the cover of it. And this is also another anniversary cover. Uh, oh yes, that is going around at the time. You see bearded Thor and a little bit of a uh, lit silhouette, silhouette on the side of his face, but mm-hmm. his beard, but his beard's loud and proud. So yes, this is, uh, it is by Walter Simonson. So uh, it is a really cool looking cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the story at hand. Um, Thor is on his way to Midgard, aka Earth, from Asgard when a green bolt of energy strikes Thor and uh, causes him to experience a temporary uh, uh, weakness in his entire body which uh, which fades but is definitely going to come back to play a bigger role later on in these stories um, Thor makes his way back to Midgard uh, he is refer in 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 these panels. He's referring to the events of the recent past, in which uh, Odin um, fell into Muspelheim while batter while, while battling Surtur, the fire demon, and uh, Thor finds that the way to Muspelheim is blocked, and his hammer can't um, you know can't uh, provide him transport to it. So. Thor is looking to uh, crash somewhere, heads first to his Bay Ridge. Shout out to Marvel for putting stuff in the real world. This is Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Um, Thor is a really, really uh, Spartan. I mean, really Spartan. I mean, he's a Norse god, but... This is Sparta! Like, literally a mattress on the floor. That's his apartment. 
that's Spartan, man. Um, he's like, I can't crash here. So he's thinking, well, I'll go crash at Avengers Mansion. I don't feel like hanging out with the Avengers right now. I'm not feeling so good. Uh, I miss my dad. I miss Odin, you know. Um, while he's kind of ruminating and, and wallowing, um, at the it looks like he's flying to the Chrysler. Yeah, it's the Chrysler building, you know, uh, which isn't that close to Central Park. But uh, I guess... He's high enough where he can kind of see what's going on. And he foils a mugging in Central Park. I gotta love it. You gotta love it. <laughs> you know, he busts the park prowler who the cops had been looking for for some time. Um, uh, meanwhile, in Asgard, that's what the caption says. I love it. Meanwhile, in Asgard, we uh, cut to uh, some of the ongoing story arcs and plot threads that are happening in the uh, in the book of Thor some um, some orphans who uh, are eventually adopted by Volstag are, uh, are, are are touched upon as well as the um, great sword of Surtur which is laying in the fields in in Asgard uh, after the battle of Sur the battle between Surtur and uh, Odin uh, we flash to uh, Thor trying to reestablish his human alter ego, literally just himself in human clothes, not Dr. Donald Blake, who's frail and walking with a cane. This is gigantic uh, blonde man and, uh, and pretty heavily muscled uh, uh, person who's probably much bigger than most humans. Um, you know, so what, what is a, what, what does someone who looks like that do goes into construction? Um, you know, this is the, um, this is the, uh, the Nick Fury shield cover that they established for him. You know, shield, they do good work. They find the, they find the perfect cover for someone like that. So, uh, you know, this happens in, in, in prior issues of Thor and, uh, Thor basically, uh, tries to reestablish his human, uh, alter ego uh, by hitting up uh, a construction site that he had actually saved a couple times uh, while he was working there. And the foreman on the job basically says, Hey man, where you been? We missed you. You, you know, he, uh, uh, Thor basically says, uh, I lost my dad. It's been tough. So what does the foreman Jerry do? Invites Thor, AKA Sigurd, Jarlson to his home in Cobble Hill, which is another thing I love. Walt's like Cobble Hill's a nice place, but maybe a little too fancy these days. We were living here when all these yuppies were just baby boomers. Oh my god, we have boutiques instead of Woolworths, cuisine instead of coffee shops. Getting too rich for my blood, they must be all nuts. They must all be nuts. I love it because things don't change, they stay the same. <laughs> love it. Still saying that about Cobble Hill and now the rest of Brooklyn as well. Gotta love it. So Jerry uh, introduces uh, Thor Sigurd to his wife, Tina. I'm home, honey, I'm home. And he's got a friend. I've got a friend with me. And Jerry, unbeknownst to Thor, has not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six children with Tina. Yeah, he's like the and, human Volstag. <laughs> it's true. It is true. And um and 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 Jerry's uh uh, uh tween age and teenage daughters are like, 
uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a good looking dude in a beard. Uh, this is pre hipster, you know, um, pre hipster Brooklyn, way way pre hipster Brooklyn. So uh, he, you know, Thor makes his way into the uh, the the Sapristi home, and uh, you know, basically enamors himself with the. Uh, uh, becomes enamored with the children and enamors himself of the children. The children really appreciate him as well as um, uh, the foreman's wife. And he is appointed as um, essentially a babysitter. And we'll get back to that in a second. We just have an interlude with um, with Balder as you know we follow up on another dangling plot line that's, uh, that, that, that's uh, carrying forward in the Thor books. And Thor... Uh, in this interlude, uh, in this brief interlude story, really is essentially babysitting this family and tells a tale of uh, 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 it's it's masked as a as a parable of Thor, who uh, um, basically learns the lesson that uh, no matter who you are, no one can carry you across uh, across the river or uh, through problems that you might have. Not your father, not your mother, not your girl or boyfriend. You have to walk through the shadows on your own. That is the moral of the story. Um, this is a part where I smiled from ear to ear. I had the biggest grin. And you know why? Because I'd never realized that this actually happened. That this is how Thor catches wind of what's happening in the Morlock tunnels. Yep. He's talking with frogs. So hold that, hold that point real, real, real quick. Sorry. Um, so... Me not being a real Thor reader at the time and I hearing kind of about Throg and what, you know, that, but, but not actually reading it and coming into this issue, you know, and they're, they're giving a little footnotes on like, it's like, um, what is going on? And like I said, I knew about Throg at the time, but I didn't hear about it. So, so seeing that whole scene is like, okay, this is a trip. And yes. And I, and I remember it's like, he's talking to the frogs and these people are just sitting right here. Like just like seeing him talk to a frog like not, like nobody's business, which kind of infers the, what uh, what happens next. Which is right, I was about to say it definitely informs what happens next. Like it's not what <laughs> I love how 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 Simonson tries to write this, and it's probably unintentionally funny, but at the same time intentionally funny because uh, the way he the way he tr- he pull, he uh, he portrays the scene is that uh, puddle gulp. And, um, and, and, uh, I forget the name of the other frog. I know Puddle Gulp. He's, um, I don't know if he comes with us with another name, but Puddle Gulp is definitely a carryover character from, um, the uh, Thor frog issues. And it's the frogs that speak to Thor, um, and he understands and the Sapristi children on, uh, see him talking to the frogs. Oh, and it goes a step over because the frogs heard from the alligators that was that was in the uh, Morlock tunnels. From uh, I'm assuming it's from where Piper sent them out. Um, Correct. Uh, but yeah, so they heard from the alligators of what's going on here. I'm pretty sure they've seen the bodies also, but still, you know, what mm-hmm. what's going on, and this is how they get permission, and it gets relayed to Thor. Right. So what I was gonna say is though the the. <laughs> It's so well written. So basically, <laughs> so basically, Thor is like, "Hey, you guys gotta go home. I gotta send you home." Uh, guess what? Something terrible seems to be happening. I'm. I must look into it. I'm. Uh, I'm a sort of uh, undercover policeman. <laughs> and the kids are like, "Who talks to frogs?" 
Right, and and these kids like I don't know who you fooling, but it's so well done. He says Thor comes back and says, "Yes, well, uh, I know." You know what's funny about this, and maybe it's even funnier because I can hear Chris Hemsworth's voice saying this. Right, I'm sort of reading it in Chris Hemsworth's voice in my head. Yes, well, uh, there are many kinds of policemen, you see. And the kids come back and say, don't worry, Thor, your secret's safe with us. And, he, and he's like, what? Right. And I'm uh, for, for the video viewers, I'm, I'm pulling that, putting that, that page right now so you can see. Right. And the kids are like, yeah, you know, their dad, uh, Jerry Sapristi, thought he was Spider-Man. But the, the kids are too smart for that one. They're like, yeah, you're too big for that. And with your hair, Thor seemed like a good guess. And besides, they had looked into his bag and had seen Mjolnir in his bag right. when he was over for dinner the other night. I love it. Kids are the darndest thing. Oh, say things, right? Yes, 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 yes. Gotta love it. <laughs> gotta, gotta love it. But anyway, Thor sends the kids back home. Uh, despite the fact that they ask about the Midgard Serpent, you know, talk about reading up on Norse mythology. And Thor makes his way, literally makes his way through, like, I love they, that that Walt doesn't even pretend to show the actual secret entrance into the Morlock tunnels in the park. He's literally just walking down into a hole, the hidden entrance here beside the Great Lawn. I love it. And, uh, Basically, while Thor is making his way through the tunnels, we uh, we see that Hela, the goddess of death, actually the daughter of Loki in Norse mythology and in uh, Marvel Comics. Hela uh, is watching Thor and uh, basically says, um, you're going to learn what hopelessness really is. Um, basically she is very, very mad about some stuff that Thor pulled in previous issues. Uh, namely, um, what I'm referring to is, uh, the assault on, um, on, on hell, uh, with the Einherjar and, uh, Scourge the Executioner. Um, that's a big, big, you know, that, that's something that she is looking to, uh, uh, gain revenge upon Thor for. Uh, Thor is making his way through the Morlock tunnels, makes his way past the carnage of all the dead Morlocks, and hears that, um, and hears uh, Angel uh, crying out as uh, Blockbuster is ripping out more feathers out of his wings. Um, Thor uh, is uh, ambushed. Well. Not really ambush. He comes upon uh, Vertigo, uh, uh, Blockbuster, and Harpoon. Well, he, and they... Yeah, he hears them. He turns around and hears them coming. Right, yeah. right. Well, what I was going to say is I thought it was just the two of them, but then I guess uh, Vertigo is always in plain sight, and they just jump him. He knocks them away, and they run. Like I said, they run. When they see that they don't have the advantage, they run. They're slick. They're actually, in terms of... Um, in terms of uh, tactics, they are fairly sound in the sense that the second that they lose the advantage, they withdraw to fight another day. And uh, Thor is left to uh, tend to the wounded who, at this point, he doesn't recognize. 
you know, got to love Marvel crossover uh, memories here. You know, he just doesn't recognize uh, uh, Angel when he sees him. He is wearing a different costume, though. So, um, but he realizes that the Marauders ran away, uh, probably only to come back. And that's where we end this issue. Yep. Uh, let's see. Where am I going? Power yeah. pack. Yep. Now we go into power pack number 27. Um, I guess I couldn't say it. Uh, written by Louise Simonson, penciler by job. Uh, oh, check Nova. the pause. Yes. I think they redid the reading order yesterday in Marvel Unlimited. Oh, did they? Because yeah, oh, you talking about in the app? Because the the app in is the app. out. Oh no, the app was actually all right. It was the on the web page. That's kind of weird, weird story. Oh, but no, no, no. I, so if it was mm-hmm. yesterday, uh, just as a quick as a quick aside, yesterday the app had duplicate of every cover right. of every in the in and i think they were revising they must be listening to us they must know that we're doing this event and they're like hey you need to read one more book they actually added uncanny x-men 214 at the end of this oh weird i didn't i didn't see that okay yeah, yeah. i think oh, yeah. and the final issue in the crossover event is not daredevil 238 but in fact uncanny 213 oh, and well, yeah, actually, I think I did see that. No, I think I did see that in here, but it's, this was different yesterday, right? But I think, well, we'll get to it. But I remember what happens I'm, in that book, and it's kind of tangential, also, sort of like it's basically tying up a loose end, right? But again, it involves that other marauder, right? Who's on another mission? Right. So that's my point. So it's it's funny that we, you know, that as we're going through this, I'm looking at this like this is not how this screen looked yesterday. So anyway, uh, you're on Power Pack number 27. I am on Power Pack 27. And you can see the uh, cover right here, um, which is not, you know, not one of the anniversary covers, but, you know, because I think we're past that point at this point. Uh, so the Power Pack family, the, the Power family, because their their name is actual, actually Power, last names are Power, um, and Franklin, a very young Franklin Richards at this time, um, who I, if this, if this tells you something goes by the name of Tattletale because, and this is when Franklin was like, yeah, he's got his mutant powers, but he had to, you know, block himself, but he still got certain powers that he can, that he deals with. Not unlike, um, another mutants that we have, uh, that we see around here, but we'll get to that. Anyway, the power pack, uh, and Franklin Richards and their parents, uh, not the, not, not the Richards are watching TV over at the Powers Place and they see X-Factor and Terminator Exterminators and they're they tar- talking about uh, X-Factor and how X, uh, Exterminators, at least one of them started talking about how the Exterminators are good guys and you know, X-Factor would be hunting all the mutants or hunting all the mutants and they probably would think that they were mutants if they if they caught wind of them or something like that. Um, then some horseplay between the two order, I guess, well I don't know if Jack is the young, but I don't know too much about Powerback and and I'm kind of glad that Agent Seventy. I mean, not Agent Seventy. Um, actually, I kind of wish Matt, Matt was here, but at the same time, you know, it's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Matt Wang ninety seven. Absolutely. So he's here in spirit because Power Pack is here. Um, so horseplay ensues, and some powers get used, and and the um the oldest, I believe, is Alex. Was like, hey, don't use your powers, fool. You know, somebody might see us. Um, who is? And by the way, again, this is after their this is most likely shortly very shortly after their powers had been switched in a previous issue or two or something like that so 
So there's going to be a little bit of that going on. So the kids go to sleep and Franklin uh, dreams of leeching Caliban you know, using his power and that gets projected out and, and the, all the boys see it. Then the girls come in uh, and get, get uh, appraised of the situation, you know, after they wake up uh, Franklin. So they all suit up and go down to the Morlock tunnels. Uh, they talk about in the transit, they talk about the switch powers because they just switched with exceptional Franklin and their new names that they were trying to give, give themselves at this time. Um, let's see. Uh, so, so yeah, meanwhile, down in the tunnels, they, the, when they get down the tunnels, they hear screaming and go to check. We're going to find out it's scalp hunter on another killing spree. Um, uh, and leech and Caliban who are like right near where that is going down is hiding in the pipe still. And this was after Artie went and go to go get help. Um, uh, and as we've already seen, Palpac gets attacked by Sabretooth. This is scary. This was so scary when I read this. Mm-hmm. Having not ever read this before, I was like, "What?" Yeah, it was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it was like, "Wait, Sabretooth against a bunch of kids? Like, this is not good. It's not good at all." But they actually handled themselves, even with switch powers that they still don't have control over it yet. Uh, they right. handled themselves all right, and uh, I think Jack was like, "Yeah, you got to use my power and kill him. You know, kill him. Do, do the thing." Because I would do that. Um, but Alex doesn't, he, they actually do a hit and run tactic where, and then I think this is probably my mistake here, but later he does it intentionally, but they, mm-hmm. uh, he, um, uses his power and, uh, knocks a hole in the ce- ce- ceiling, which, uh, buries Sabretooth and they run away. Um, and they meet up with Wolverine at this time, who's, who's looking for Sabretooth just so happened. Uh, and they apparently have met Wolverine before this. So, mm-hmm. but and the funny thing, actually, the funny thing about it was like Sabretooth comes around and they were like, Mr. Wolverine? I'm like, nope, that's not him because he was attacking him and it obviously doesn't look like Wolverine. So, like I said, they, after that, and they, they run into actual Wolverine and he tells them, like, y'all need to go home because I'm tracking Sabretooth and it's not safe here and things are going on. You need to promise me it's like either I can, I can follow you home or I can go do what I got to do and try to save some people's lives. And it's like, all right, we are going to leave. You you go do your thing, but they actually don't leave. Mm-hmm. They promise to leave, but they actually don't. Um, let's see. Oh, he tells yeah. This is like I said. Um, that's what happened. They go to find Leech. Still, they come across Annalise. Annalise, their body, uh, which who got killed in two eleven, but don't find Leech. Uh, they find they think that X Factor is behind all of this, and you know, not knowing uh, much about the Marauders. And so they kind of get that in their mind. Um, then we cut to X Factor, who are taking the Morlocks they they found back to the base. Uh, the team all gets back together, and Cyclops decides he wants to go back into the tunnels. And actually, I I, I got a note here for myself is like, well, I wonder if this is where Jerk Cyclops starts because there's a whole lot of talk about from him about yeah, like look, the man you thought because he was talking to Jim, like, yeah, it's the man the man I was at the time is not the same as I am and I don't like this person and what you know, this and that and the other I don't like myself and this and that and the other. So I'm kinda wondering if this is where the start of <laughs> jerk. I, I was gonna say it probably predates this when he leaves Madeline prior to go back with Jean Grey. That's which probably... is also yeah, which is also mentioned you're right. Yeah. That's probably where it starts. I mean, he was always kind of a jerk, you know, even when he was with the X-Men, but I mean, not, 
you know, not like that, right? Right. But so yeah, somewhere in between there. This well, yeah, I'm I'm yeah, somewhere in between this and, and X Factor. It's some, somewhere else. Excuse me. Somewhere in the start of X Factor, this was pretty much being born. Um, so we can we can fairly safely say that. But anyway, back to the thing is the thing is this. Um, so X Factor. Yeah, so X Factor gets back to the thing. They do that thing. Um, Power Pack ends up finding Leech and Artie, and hilariously, I should probably pull this up. No, nah, I'm not gonna do that. Um, the the flying kids try to go towards uh, Leech, who cancels their powers, and they all fall. And they were like, "Hey, we're here to save you." <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, because I remember I remember seeing that. I was like, "Okay, well, that was that was dumb," but at the same time, hey, that was that was pretty cute. Um, that was. I was about to say, hold hold on to that thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, it must be noted that the writer of Power Pack at this time is one Louise Simonson. Yeah, I did mention that. Yeah. Okay, and the art is by John Bogdanov. So mm-hmm. it's uh, you know it's all in the like like we said earlier it is all in the family for this crossover. Mm-hmm. So when they find Leech and Caliban, they they try to look after them, and they um, I think at some point around they tell Leech that and the Annalie is dead, but I think that comes a little bit later. Uh, but they get attacked by the, the the Marauders, and they defend themselves. Um, they defend themselves. They were like, Leech, stay here with Franklin. Which here's the weird part. So Leech is staying with Franklin. Franklin is a mutant, um, but apparently his powers uh, is not affected by Leech because he ends up using them a, a little bit. But while no, he no, he says Leech, go wait way back there, way back here. So he leaves Leech. Oh, you right, know. right. Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Leaps some distance away so that he can do what he does. Okay, okay. Yeah, because that, that part was kind of when in rereading this. I was like, wait, what? So, but yeah, now that I see that. Okay, cool. So, you know, the, the, the Marauders are fighting the power pack and, you know, they're, they're doing their thing. Uh, uh, Franklin does get to use his power and try to antagonize the Arc Light, who's, you know, doing, the th- who's um, shaking up the place. Uh, the long story short, the, they they kind of defend themselves and and um, and um, uh, once again uh, the the oldest power blasts the ceiling so that uh, they could get away. One of them got smacked into the wall because they were super dense and tried to do a, do, do, do a power bomb on. Actually, it's not a power bomb. I'm just joking. But uh, they tried to drop on Arc Light, which doesn't go the way she planned it. Um, but yeah, like I said. They they try to try to bury the uh, try to bury the marauders like they did with Sabretooth, but it doesn't quite happen that way. Uh, one of the other ones hit him with a with a, a solar hit him with a solar plexus, as one Bugs Bunny would say, and then goes to take out um, Arclight with one punch, one punch because he has because um, he has gravity altering powers, so mm-hmm. he makes his fist um, ultra heavy and ultra dense and smacks her smacks her away um scrambler tries to take him out while he's gloating but um x-factor shows up and of course in fashion harpoon throws a, a spear and they bug out the marauders bug her out mm-hmm. so excuse me exterminators whatever it's still x-factor um so power pack meets x-factor slash exterminators uh cyclops is like hey you you know you kids handle yourself pretty decently and um cool 
uh, they find Caliban and it's like, okay, hey, and they, they think this is when they tell Leech that Annalie is dead, dead, and she start crying. And this was a very touching uh, scene back then when I read it originally. Still is now actually, because he start because Leech starts crying, talking about he wants Mama, Mama loves Leech, and this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, that's that's that. And then Cyclops is in the back, was like, oh yeah, I know how this kid feels, and basically and. He goes to comfort Leech and say, hey, y'all can come back with us to our compound because we got some of your other people here if you know them. Uh, and he tells Beast and Iceman, who got hurt uh, previously, to take to run them back to the compound. Um, and, you know, Iceman holding Leech loses his powers, so they got to walk. And it's just as well because um, Beast is kind of hurt and would probably be slowed down anyway. Mm-hmm. Um... So they take off with Leech um, and Caliban, who's hurt. And then uh, uh, the rest of them are like, hey, oh, and the screaming power pack is like, hey, uh, it's late. We got to go because they didn't know what time it was. It was like, oh, we got to get back home because our parents are going to worry that we were, you know, we we're not home. So they leave. Um, and then that's pretty much where we round out the end of the book where they're on their way home and you know, um, one of the kids are showing off their new gravity powers and also that uh, the wings that they got from the other person who previously held the power, you know, um, was destroyed and he doesn't need them. So, but thanks anyway. Um, and then that's when the book ends. Right. And that leads us to the next issue of the Mighty Thor, number 374, that crosses over into the Mutant Massacre. Uh, this issue is written by Walt Simonson with art by Sal Buscema and lettering by John Workman. Now, wait, hang on for a second. Hold on. Before you even get to that point, because this is where a point, this is also where a point of contention comes in. Because, okay. um, so if you're looking at the, the map, the mutant map, and I got it pulled up right here, you see New Mutants, Thor 373, then Power Pack, and then it goes back over to uh, X-Men 212. I think that was the original order. Right. And I think uh, this reworked order is what's in Marvel Unlimited right now. Right. So, 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 just all I'm saying is to be for those who come back behind this and read it, kind of be wary of that. Now, I don't think it matters either way, but I think I read it in the original order. As a matter of fact, I know I did. Uh, so, I read it in the original order yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So, so just take that into account. So we're kind of skipping back and going for you know skipping back for a second. Um. So, anyway, continue. All right. So, uh, in this issue of Thor, we we come right back to, we literally pick up right where the previous issue left off. With Thor not yet able to take down uh, the angel from being impaled by harpoons, harpoons on the walls of the tunnel. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, the marauders are really good at withdrawing when they don't have the advantage and they come right back with, uh, with the renewed attacks and Thor, uh, you know, usually wouldn't have any issues taking on these, um, uh, you know, this level of competition, uh, you know, blockbuster is pretty big and strong harpoons, uh, harp, uh, powered up harpoons are, are, are fairly, uh, deadly and obviously vertigo's uh vertigo power is um you know something that uh throws lots of heroes off but come on this is the god of thunder here 
you know, and he shows it after uh, he takes a couple of their shots. And he's like, you know what? You know, let the lightning and the storm speak with the voice of Thor. And basically they all scatter. Right. So finally they make another break for it. Thor takes the angel down and angels like, ah, you know, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, no, actually, uh, yeah, no, he does get a little, uh, weepy and, uh, woe is me here too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just leave and let me die. Thor's like, nope. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's channeling pariah in this, in this moment. Yeah. Oh, gosh, pariah. <laughs> Thor's like, oh, let me, you know, I'll get you out of here. Uh, part of the, uh, the tunnel comes down on them, probably weakened from Thor going Thor. You know, talk about, you know, ham, talk about, uh, what do we call it? Um, uh, Kanye made uh, the acronym ham, going ham, a thing. Mm. Imagine going Thor on something, right? <laughs> so this is Thor going Thor, and, you know, so, and some parts of the tunnel can't take it. So he is um, uh, hastened on his way with the angel. Uh, we cut to um, Balder and what he's trying to do. And this is just a uh, uh, an interlude because we're dealing with the after effects of um, Odin and his uh, battle with Surtur. Uh It looks like uh, Balder is making the deal to try to uh, spoiler alert for a thirty plus year old comic book. He's um, trying to resurrect one of the deceased ravens of Odin, and he is successful. Um, meanwhile, we cut back to uh, the bodies of the dead in the Morlock tunnels with Harpoon, Blockbuster, and Sabretooth, um, you know, having having had a chance to retreat and regroup, um, Harpoon and Sabretooth are are making fun of Blockbuster, of all things. And that uh, ticks off Blockbuster, and and he's off to take on Thor. Meanwhile, Thor is carrying the angel, and he's trying to get him out of the tunnel. Uh, He runs into Artie. And uh, Artie is communicating with Thor, and Thor figures out how Artie is communicating with these visual images and basically relays to Artie that, no, the angel's not dead, but he's got to help him, and he's trying to get uh, Artie to come with him when Blockbuster breaks through the ceiling. Um, And this is a shocking thing that fans of Thor won't ever expect. Because you don't think Blockbuster is this strong. But what happens is that he lands on Thor and basically uses his body weight to break Thor's left arm. And you're like, what? What the heck is going on here? And, and so is he. So is Thor saying thing in that. Well, and you're forced to remember what happened last issue, and that's going to be expanded upon before this issue is done. Mm -hmm. Thor is hurt. He is definitely not uh, used to having this happen, especially fighting someone who's not that strong. He's strong, but not, you know, you know, this is Thor. Thor is is used to taking on the Hulk. So, and this not happening. So this is very odd. Um, The angel um, uh, uh, gathers his strength and jumps on Blockbuster to distract him. And Thor with his good right arm, uses Mjolnir to knock the hell out of Blockbuster. Uh, I don't think he's dead, but uh, uh, I think... Does he get killed here? Um, because, I don't think because, so. Because, he, because Thor does say, uh, you know, I hope Hela deals with you 
jerk face for breaking. Yeah, maybe it does. Yeah. Right. Because uh, it's left vague. I'd have to look up whether or not he does in fact die in this issue. Um, Angel, uh, Artie, and Thor make their way towards, uh, I guess, Artie is sensing that X-Factor, the rest of X-Factor is closed, including Cyclops and Jean Grey. We have an interlude with Volstagg and, uh, and, and, and Mick and Kevin in Asgard. We come back to um, Artie and Thor, and they do, in fact, run into Cyclops and Jean Grey. Uh, obviously, Cyclops is like, that's the Avenger Thor. He's got Angel, and they finally figure out who is who and what's what. Um, and Cyclops is like, hey, man, what's up with your arm? <laughs> and he puts and, and Cyclops puts together a quick splint for Thor's arm by blasting some uh, some metal, uh, some some it looks like a ladder. Yep. He blasts the ladder and forms it into a quick splint that they use to help uh, um, uh, support Thor's broken arm. Um, Gene. Cyclops and already take Angel away while Thor is uh, going further into the tunnels. Thor is beset upon by Hela, the goddess of death, who informs him of what has happened. Talk about exposition. She's like, this is what's happening. You are cursed. Your bones are now as brittle as those of an old woman. And when they break, they will not heal. And you and, and despite the fact and the curse is that his bones are brittle and broken, but he cannot die. She takes that ability away from him. She has cast him out of hell. So in the absence of death is eternal life. The God of Thunder will live forever, but he's going to want to die because he's going to be uh, 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 easily breakable and brittle. So Thor goes Thor. On the tunnels, he's mad, right? Uh, Hela has enacted a, 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 a dose of revenge for the events of Thor's issue 360 and 362 that I mentioned earlier. And Thor calls down the lightning inside the tunnel. So all that hyper energy like stuff that Cap... Uh, call down on Thanos and Endgame is being cast inside the closed uh, gaseous um, uh, 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 atmosphere that's within the uh, the the uh, the sewers and the, the 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 Morlock tunnels, and that causes a fire to break out. And basically, Thor, as he intended, uh, gives all of the dead a Viking pyre funeral. Um, also, wait, are you, yeah, so yeah, there's a couple of things to note about this and that, uh, but prior to that, so when he was, I don't think you, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but when Thor was talking to Cyclops and was talking to Cyclops specifically, Cyclops was like, uh, look, when we get back upstairs, uh, up to the surface, you're going to hear about some stuff about us. Uh, oh, yeah, I missed, I, 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 gl I glossed over that. Yeah, so, so, you know, just no, don't, don't worry about that. And Thor's like, look, I have learned a long time ago, don't, you know, not to judge the book by its covers, so you're good, don't worry about it. Um, he actually 
a Spider-Man reference. Yes. He's like, uh, don't ju- or judge a man by what the newspapers say about him. Exactly. Yes. 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 So, but then that's when they bugger. That's when that's when they leave, and then that's and that's when the thing with Hella happens, and Thor, as Agent uh, Seven says, goes Thor and says, "Hella," and calls down the lightning and does all that stuff. Now, here's the thing about that part: he does give the dead a Viking funeral, but he's also sent a basically a firestorm throughout tunnels where people are probably still alive. Well, well, are still alive as we will see in 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 the coming issues, right? Well, you know, this is not you know, no one's ever going to accuse Thor of being, uh, you know, considerate of everybody. So I was like, well, that's yeah, because when I was reading this, I was like, okay, but there's other people still, whatever. So Thor's, but yeah, at the end of this, like Thor's just doing his thing. So which brings us to or wraps us back around to Uncanny X Men number two twelve. Um, you gotta excuse me on this one because yeah, it's starting to get late. <laughs> What's that? I said you have to excuse me on this one because it's starting to get late. But we're gonna we're gonna run through this one. Um, so yeah, we cut we at the end the beginning of this issue we see oh this is Chris Claremont writing and I had to look this up Rick Leonardi as the guest artist. Yes, and Grant uh, uh Dan Green as the inker. If you want to that far over it, so, and as you can see on the, uh, if you can see on the, um, the video, I got the uh, thing up. So yeah, Wolverine's in the tunnels hunting. He's, um, you know, going through all the deaths, and um, you no, know, he gets a, um, he gets a, a psychic flash from 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 Betsy Braddock, aka Cyclops, who they apparently they had never met before this because he was like, um, he was like, um, like. Wait, wait, what's going on? And she introduces herself as Psylocke and the telepath, and that Storm asked her to do it, so to pass you along some information. Now, which is weird because she had already thought Storm and Wolverine had already basically um, talked and said the exact stuff that she's relaying. So this was this was the part that was kind of weird in, in a previous issue, matter of fact, in the previous issue. So, cause, so, so Psylocke basically says, hey, bring in a, a, a prisoner so we can interrogate him. And that this is important. She basically stresses that it's important because he already knew that. It's like, yeah, all right, I got one. And one's all she's going to get. So that happens. And then they talk for a little bit more and he goes and then he dips out. And we see Betsy on, in Cerebro um, monologuing to herself about what's, you know, about the, the resources of the school and whatnot. And then we cut to the the um, infirmary where Storm and Callisto and a bunch of people are looking after um, their injured folks, and Storm's like while trying to keep uh, you know keep us a, a brave front, kind of having you know kind of having a little pity party on herself because she's over with Nightcrawler. It's like you need to get better because I need your laugh and your smile and you know things about you. So because you know uh, so that's the thing about this this version of X Men because like you know they were fairly close. This is when it cemented the family think, dynamic about them, I guess, but you know, we won't even get into that. And then they check up on Kitty Pride, who's in a bubble. Uh, and slowly... I was about to say, pause your thought, I, I, and, and I appreciate where you're going with this, because this is a time of uh, team lineup transition, mm-hmm. and I, that leads to um, and, and the events that lead up to that lineup transition is what kind of pushed Storm over the edge, of, especially with her losing her powers temporarily. So, right. 
and you're and 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 we all know what's going on in the background, what's being set up by this team uh, being lineup being in transition. So, mm-hmm. and in fact, the, on that uh, the the map of the the reading order, it says, "See who the new X Men will be in the top right corner," as you can see from the video. Right. So that's that's kind of telling there. But yeah, so yeah, they're so uh, Colossus is holding watch over Kitty who can't speak apparently, but she's still phased and getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they talk about her state while she's standing right there, and you know, Colossus is mad. Uh, and Storm's like, "Yeah, P- Peter's also gentle, but man, he's now he's like he's trying to get revenge." <laughs> um, and again, Storm's kind of having her own pity party. It was like because you know she's the one leading the X Men, so she feels responsible for a, a lot of this or for all of this, even though a lot of it's not her fault. She leaves. Um, kind of have some time to herself. Uh, but then she jumps off a waterfall and you know has has a dip. Uh, uh, Psylocke. Well, excuse me. Um, Colossus goes to see Psylocke for some reason. Um, oh, not even for some reason because they're looking for Storm. But then he passes out right on top of her in his armored form, which that had to hurt. No, I was about to say it does have consequences. Yeah. This does have consequences. What, 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 what I love about the way this story is plotted and told, every little thing that happens seems to have a consequence. That being one of them, it does come back as part of the story. Mm-hmm. So uh, then we cut to Rogue, and I don't know who this person is. It looks like Rambo. No, I know he's a support support personnel. I think he's a friend of the, the school. I think right, yeah. Like I said, I I was re- kind of sort of reading X Men around the time, but mostly for the event stuff like this. So there are some stuff that is still lost on me, despite the fact that I was reading. I was specifically around this time reading X Factor for certain, mm-hmm. and and because of the fact that this was starting to cross over, and I think this is probably where I started getting back into X Men a little bit more. Uh, but anyway, Psylocke um, uh, calls out to Rogue psychically, psychically and tells her to come on because I got this big organic metal dude on top of me. Um, mm-hmm. And Rogue takes off and gets Colossus off of her. Um, and apparently he's kind of stuck um, like a statue. Right, he's having problems. Yes, and he can't revert back to normal and that's partially because of uh, probably what's happened to him with um, Harpoon, uh, more than likely, and Riptide. Just and a Rip- lot. Of- well, yeah, but yeah, the Riptide is the side, but it, you know, because you would know that Harpoon was the one that's kind of disrupting. Like, Kitty's right. part was part, part with, his, with the spear, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely, it was it was the combination of all of that. So you see, you uh, Magneto coming in trying to trying to take care of um, Betsy and Myra and trying to you know trying to comfort her and they use her to psychically look up storm uh and magneto's there just kind of hovering doing nothing then we cut back to wolverine and some would argue one of the fights of the century at the time or at least a decade because it's one of the many matches between um well we don't know who it is at the time but we end up finding out it's Sabretooth because he's found his prey we cut back to Storm, who's still having her kind of pity party, uh, but getting the psychic links from getting psychic psychic messages from Psylocke. Then she wants to live alone, leave alone. She tears off her clothes and look. I was a little well, I wasn't a little kid, but at the time, but I'm just saying I was young enough to be like, yo, 
Which actually is a side story because Mohawk Storm was kind of off-putting for a second, but quickly got got into that. Anyway, next up, we'll move right past that. But <laughs> um, that woke everybody up. It absolutely did because we're like, damn, Mohawk Storm kind of, you know, kind of, kind of whatever, even without powers. Um, but anyway, cut back to the mansion, mansion where they're trying to see what's going on with Colossus. Um, Psylocke tries to probe his mind, um, which it doesn't. Well, she basically finds out like, yeah, he's alive, but it doesn't. I don't know what doesn't know what's going on because that's not much help. So, uh, Magneto tries to use his powers to try to heal Colossus, which actually kind of works, but mm-hmm. he can't move. He's stuck. Uh, stuck. Um, the way he was, and Magneto kind of falls over because you know he used up a lot of his powers. And in need of oil, that is what he is. <laughs> Seriously, shout out to the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, basically. So it's like, okay, well, so now he's laying there on the ground, paralyzed, and Magneto's can't do much else. So, you know, thanks for helping, but you didn't really help that much. Cutting back to Wolverine, to which we find out he's fighting Sabretooth who's got this other Morlock up against the wall and about to gut him. Um, and, of course, they do what Sabretooth and War, uh, Wolverine always do and have such delightful banter because um, of their history. Which, by the way, going back a second, like you were talking about um, Sabretooth meeting up against uh, meeting up Cyclops and, and Cyclops kind of underestimating him not, for not knowing. Right. I remember one, one reading this. Well, no, actually, I remember rereading this. Um... Well, no, yeah, in rereading this, um, it was like, well, wait, he should be familiar with Sabretooth, but then I'm thinking about the X-Men, the animated series, which I had seen, mm-hmm. you know, obviously before, you know, rereading. So I was like, well, why doesn't he know, why is he taking, you know, why is he taking Sabretooth like that when he should know better? But, you know, he doesn't and should, wouldn't because the Sabretooth didn't come along until, like, the new X-Men came through and didn't have much exposure to him. Anyway, moving along along. Um, so yeah they're still talking they fight they go back and forth um, they're fighting somebody though huh they're fighting over somebody right like yeah well yeah I mentioned that because uh, Sabretooth's got this uh, Morlock he's got pinned up against the wall and was about to gut him but... he's the healer oh right he he's the right. healer so there's a reason why there, as this as this fight progresses there's a, there's a reason why it ends the way it does Oh, and a name comes up in the course of uh, of this explanation of Mr. Sinister. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, as a matter of fact, yes, we find out that he was the one who sent the Marauders down there. And also uses uh, Marie, uh, uh, Wolverine's famous line of being the best of what we do. And then the, the fight progresses again. And you see a nice striking scene of, um, uh, or panel of uh, Wolverine lunging at him so we'll mm-hmm. come back to the lake where storm which is so here was another thing that was going on at the time storm had lost her powers but every now and then you would see scenes like this where the wind's blowing and the lightning's going and maybe rain happens and people are still like wait did storm do this knowing good and full well that she's lost her powers but this also kind of plays into something else which i think probably came up because i'm not sure if like yeah she I don't know, can't remember if it was the case. I don't know if you remember, but yeah, she lost her powers, but she was still kind of in touch to a point to where she has some effect. But we don't know if that was actual thing or just happenstance. All right. 
because we know she um, lost her powers, but it still kind of comes out. It's definitely teased. Right. So uh, Callisto runs up on on Storm, who has changed clothes into a nice little summer dress. Um, And and then they talk, well, and they talk by fighting, because that's how they get along with each other, because Callisto is not trying to let Storm have a have a pity party up here, and 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 Storm's while Storm's actually trying to do it. So they fight, and Storm tries to run away. Um, to which you know Storm's like, "Leave me alone, let me go, do it." You know, I don't know what you. Why don't you just let me have this, man? But nope. Cut back to Super uh, Sabretooth and Wolverine's fight, and they still mixing it up, and he still out there on the ground. Um. Um, and again, in Tactus, which we've seen many times before, uh, Wolverine jukes out Sabretooth and brings down some, brings down a, a tunnel or whatever. Um, and uh, Sabretooth's like, hey, this is not over by a long shot. And he, and then Wolverine picks up Healer and takes him away. Right. Uh, we cut back to to uh, Callisto and Storm by the lake, where they're finally hashing it out. Callisto, after after Callisto talks some sense into him, gives back Storm's vest, and that dress with that vest is actually a pretty good look, personally. But you know, it's it's different. It is what it is. I don't know who's doing design for them right now. She doesn't keep this look, obviously, because you know. Um, and then the last page, we see uh, Wolverine coming out of the tunnels to uh, meeting up with Rogue and uh, Fake Rambo, <laughs> uh, and they take them take them out of the um, take them out of the um, tunnels where um, Thor's heat storm catches up with the with the catches up with them, and Wolverine's like, "Get, get out of the way." Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, no, it's not even Wolverine. It's, oh. it's Rogue who sees it and gets everybody out of the way. Excuse me. Yep. And and fuses the tunnel short, shut, looks like. so. And they don't like, what in the world is going on? And they don't know. But And they also notice that. Oh, excuse me. It doesn't close the tunnel, but it's basically cleans up the whole tunnel. And it's like they notice that the tunnel is like cleaned and nobody's around. Right. So... And they they also make a make a point to note that we're 40, 40 miles away from Manhattan, so whatever just happened <laughs> killed a bunch of folk, uh, including the the New Mutants specifically. Like if the New Mutants was down there, they're probably dead. So, mm-hmm. and that is where we find out that you need to read New Mutants number forty eight to find out what happens with that. But that has nothing to do with um, the event, right? And we go to the next issue. Now, the revised, I was about to say, in the revised Marvel Unlimited reading order, the next issue is X-Factor number 11. Nope, still holds up. Yep. Written by Louise Simonson and penciled by Walt Simonson. Love it. So I believe, well, we're not necessarily to the penultimate uh, issue, but we're we're very much coming down to to the stretch. Yep, we're almost there, folks. Bear with us. We're going to speed through these to get to the end. So um, this is where um, Beast and Iceman are transporting Caliban and Leech to the X-Factor headquarters when they are jumped by some Morlocks. Who uh, These are the Morlocks who are more um, 
uh, whatchamacallit, who, who are uh, more combative than the average Morlock. These uh, these particular Morlocks call the Drain Dwellers the, the, the weaker Morlocks. Um, because of Leech, everyone's powers have been neutralized, so this is uh, strictly um, uh, hand-to-hand until Leech um, uh, is sent uh, is sent away from there, told to run, and when powers are returned, um, Beast and Iceman uh, 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 kind of uh, are 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 um, are not taken down, but they definitely on the the losing side of a skirmish between um, uh, this group of Morlocks and um, uh, you know with the with this uh, group of Morlocks. Meanwhile. Uh, Cyclops, Gene, and Artie are taking uh, Angel topside, and they're talking and they're recounting what has happened over the last several crossover issues, including Power Pack, is- the Power Pack issues, and dealing with Thor. Um, and uh, we have, uh, as part of this uh, uh, recap uh, sequence of pages, Artie um, takes an image from Warren Worthington's uh, recent memories and puts up um, uh, a psychic image of uh, Angel holding Jean Grey and Cyclops has his own, as you say, a pity party. He's like, oh, oh man, what am I doing here? But then Artie shakes him out of it and uh, some some trouble gets them um, uh, uh, shaken out of their uh, immediate stupor. Uh, They run into Iceman and Beast holding off this group of um, uh, Morlocks. Um, Oh, no, they call themselves the Tunnelers. That's what it is. So stupid. So they call themselves the Tunnelers, and they're not not, uh, drain dwellers like the other Morlocks. Um, They recognize uh, the group as the Exterminators, not as X-Factor or anything like that. They're mutant freedom fighters. So they agree to uh, follow uh, X Factor up uh, to uh, X Factor's um, headquarters after some convincing by um, by one of the members, Scaleface, who can turn herself into a lizard. Uh, they are making their way up, and uh, Caliban is like, uh, you know, there's some, there's something coming, there's something coming. Uh, no, no, he gets mad actually. Uh, he gets mad that everybody's dead. They hear, I think it's, yeah, they hear Thor's fire, uh, lightning firestorm. And uh, Cyclops basically tells everyone to hurry up. They get the door shut behind them, and they uh, make it out of there by the hair of their chinny-chin-chins. Um, but again, they run into uh, 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 Cameron Hodge on FaceTime and uh, Berserker, one of the tunnelers, is like, ah, oh, you guys are fake, blah, blah, blah. You're not who you say you are. And, uh, you know, Skids is trying to tell them the exterminators are X-Factor and it's all a ruse to try to um, uh, uh, better mutant kind and uh, they're not trying to have it. So the tunnelers uh, escape the X-Factor compound. But, of course... This is 1980s New York. They get jumped by a bunch of uh, by a bunch of gang members who uh, yell out "muties" and shoot at them, and take out uh, the uh, blowhard. I think his name was with a pipe. 
Um, and uh, they basically um, uh, get taken down by the rest of the uh, tunnelers. The tunnelers' uh, exploits against these uh, gang members uh, makes the news, and of course, uh, the cops are going to go after them. We have an interlude where Apocalypse recruits on uh, the second horseman of Apocalypse War out of an iron lung. Um, we flash back to uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey trying to uh, rescue the tunnelers from being shot by the NYPD, and they are absolutely positively unsuccessful. Uh, Scaleface, the, the the lizard lady, gets taken out um, by the cops. Um, what is this dude? Berserker. Uh, he's got electromagnetic powers. Uh, he's uh, you know trying to take revenge on the NYPD when Cyclops blasts him into New York Bay, and he basically shorts out in the water. Um, Cyclops and Jean Grey escape with mask. Uh, that's M-A-S-Q-U-E, he of the mutant power of uh, transforming people's uh, skin and features just with a touch of his hands. And uh, we also have an interlude with Boom Boom. Uh, this is where we actually meet her, I believe. This is our first appearance? Mm-hmm, I believe so. Ah, okay. Or she... Uh, if this is not the meeting her, this is like another run in with her because I think this is leading up to her, you know, meeting X Factor. Right. But yeah. So, but yeah, this is one of her. If it's not her origin, this is definitely one of her, her, her first meetings. I right. believe this is actually her first meeting, though. Right. First and, right. And the final sequence of panels, it's just a third, it's literally a third of the page. But the bombshell reveal in the final sequence of panels is that the angel has suffered grievous harm to his wings and they must be amputated. And that's where we end this issue. Oh, wait. So this is not her intro. Um, that's okay. And now it's coming back to me now that I'm seeing this. So because she showed up, that's right. She was in Secret Wars True. I blocked that out because she was paddling around with the Beyonder for a minute. Okay. So yeah, this was definitely not her um, her her intro. And I believe wait, is Secret War. I mean, Secret Wars Two was probably a couple, a few, probably like X Factor had just started, so it's probably like five or six issues in. So I think this is like yeah, they, she's shown up, but yeah, uh, whether she got with the the crew or not. Um, and now we head back to let's see where are we now. Um, X Factor number 11. We are going back to Uncanny X Men number 213. Pause. You know what's funny about the reading order? Uh huh. You know what's in the reading order now in the Marvel Unlimited app? Oh, Derek 238. Mm-hmm. See, like I told you, this, it's, it's, Love it. they literally revised this yesterday or today. I want to say that's probably that part has been like that though. I feel very confident because, like I said, the book and the app are the book and the app are different. I mean, the 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 the, the website, the website and the app are kind of different by the way they have it structured. I was going to say yesterday, the last issue of this event in the app, even before yesterday, was the Daredevil book. Mm-hmm. Very funny. So yeah, it's kind of weird. So you kind of got to watch that. That's why it's, it's sometimes it's good to look up another read order just for kind of reference and you know go with one you feel like. Um, but All yes, right, so 13? 
So, Uncanny X-Men number 213, we start off, uh, by the way, it is called Psylocke. Not that it makes any difference, but we do start off with the fact that Psylocke, uh, Betsy Braddock, uh, is in Cerebro, and she's monologuing to herself, so my high, she's a stranger here, and she's using Cerebro to uh, seek out mutants, but she's also psychically, psychically linking to like people like uh, Rogue, who's flying around, um, and they talk for a little bit. Um, and meanwhile, she gets back to searching the whole, um, searching the mansion. Uh, she goes through with her, her butterfly psychic projection as she used to do back this time. Cause I think she really must start. She stopped doing that part once she did this body swap, but she was still using butterflies. No, no. I was about to say it's a different looking butterfly. Right. It's a different, it's like a more, uh, whatchamacallit. It's less, uh, uh, fan, uh, fantasy, uh, ish. This is a very fantasy looking uh, uh, butterfly so I wanted to note that this is the first uh, issue of Uncanny X-Men penciled by Alan Davis I got this autograph by Alan Davis um, uh, a couple years back and it was an honor and a privilege to meet him he's an older gentleman he's still churning out work at a, a, a great work so mm -hmm. uh, it's, it was very cool I'm glad to have this autograph by him yeah so yeah, so so Betsy's basically psychically patrolling the grounds or, or looking through the grounds, and she checks in on all of the hurt um, X Men, including Nightcrawler, uh, Nightcrawler and uh, Kitty Pride and think uh, Colossus. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, she, she talks about the new mutants who are off doing whatever else, and she talks about them and her, you know, her, um, I guess her mentorship or whatever she is. You know, she's basically she's definitely. You know, a, a, a an older figure to them, so and it cut, shoots to a picture, and then also talk about New Mutant Annuals number two, which I guess there's a the story between them, but it cuts back to under to the tunnels where Wolverine and and the rest of the team are kind of, um, are basically after the after the tunnel was uh, raised by one Thor, God of Thunder. Uh, they are going to investigate it, and Wolverine's like, "Yep, yeah, it's everything's gone. It's clean. Like there's like, you know, like the, this whole place is clean as a whistle." Uh, Callisto's mad because she wants to know who did who did this, and and um, Thor's like, "It was lightning." I mean, it's not storm. Yeah, storm was like, "It was lightning." Um, and she basically the, the logic leap is like, "Okay, it's lightning," so she. So Callista's like, well, if it's lightning, you did this? Because they didn't know anything about Thor. Um, and kind of, Callista kind of comes at her uh, mad about it, but, it, you know, but they still don't know necessarily. Magneto kind of pipes up um, and then finally mentions the fact that, hey, the Hellfire Club said I, I, I can come and join them. Um, and they have a little, they have a talk about that which is interrupted by um because obviously that's not the thing they would ever want to do uh Tyler kind of comes in and be like and was like um hey oh um Tyler is like hey i want to be able to help and i get and i got an idea so here's here's what i want to do um so so they agreed to do that uh, Storm and, and Wolverine are like, well, you know what? We can use her, so... But she's also still green, so, you know, she's... Sure, we can, you know, 
a lot of stuff is happening nowadays so she can help but we gotta still kind of you know get her right because she's still new and all so she um psylocke is still in cerebro she gets seized up because something happened to her uh and she falls out of cerebro for some race then we cut back to hey guess what you didn't think we were going to get back to this but we certainly do allison blair aka dazzler um we see her um we see her walking along and she sees the Im- the image of malice in the in a store window and um finally gets basically takes over gets taken over slowly and surely by malice um and basically comes out not necessarily comes out but she kind of brings out herself again like yeah she's a dazzler and here's my new style and it's not disco dazzler and it's not um not um Olivia Newton-John uh, jumpsuit dazzler, but it's the, the in-between time there. So we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, Rogue gets attacked by Sabretooth uh, and gets kind of gets knocked around, or at least so we think. Um, mm-hmm. Sabretooth also attacks Betsy, aka Psylocke, who's in and um, who's uh, who kind of gets up because of after her um, psychic whatever happened to her right no she actually encounters uh victor creed psyche but uh, you know she says uh, which one call it uh the the stranger's hostile mind is worse than any beasts and the input was more than so she basically got feedback so it right. kind of for a loop for a second that's what happens right but she's actually fighting him in this case so we wait yeah she's actually fighting so rogue was the one that was um uh, come across the psychic position, right? Because No, no. Uh, whatchamacallit? No, like the part where Psylocke gets shocked, right. that's her sensing uh, Sabretooth. Oh, right. And, right. So the, 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 the next sequence, the next part of the sequence is Sabretooth uh, knocks out Rogue temporarily, and then he makes his way into the mansion to where uh, Psylocke is accessing Cerebro. Right. And if you haven't figured it out yet from that last exchange that I just said about the, the X-Men taking Psylocke in and, you know, her being too green and whatnot, you, you're just going to come into um, the end result of that if you don't already see it. So, uh, Sabretooth chases um, Psylocke around the mansion. Uh, um, Mara sees this on the camera and is like, okay, she's trying to, she's, um, she's trying to lead Sabretooth away because, you know, we've got sick people here and we don't want them to find them. So... Um, you know, Betsy does the best she can in her nice frilly dress. Throws a bombshell <laughs> at him. Um, but uh, Sabretooth catches it, throws it back at her, and she, she falls down the window. Because So the thing you can, you do for, end up finding out is like, yes, even this version of Betsy has some guts. Like, she just kind of comes off a little, you know, a little timid in this one early on at this point, up until this point. But you can see she's got guts and, you know, She's willing to do what she's got to do. So she falls out the window anyway, grabs a grabs a ledge or an awning or something. Sabretooth kind of comes after her and they fall into Aurora's room or her garden. Well, actually, it's a room because her room yeah, is Yeah, she grabs the gutter and pulls herself up. Right. The gutter of the roof and she falls through the uh, the, the skylight into, uh, whatchamacallit, into Storm's uh, greenhouse. Right. Uh, and they continue to fight her. She grabs a, a big knife off the wall and tries to uh, hold off um, Sabretooth, who chin checks her. Um, and uh, he kind of gets the better of her until Wolverine comes in and like, uh, hey, how about you um, 
you roll up on me instead of the woman. Uh, but they, then, then Saber Two is like, yeah, as soon as I take care of her, I'm coming after you. And then Storm's like, ah, uh, no, I'm just gonna jab you in the in the face with this with this uh with this pipe, and I'm gonna take you take you down myself. Which he does and gets Psylocke away from um from Sabretooth. And of course, which leads uh part two of Sabretooth versus um or Wolverine versus Sabretooth battle in Storm's greenhouse, which I, I recognize neither one of these people really care where they are when they're fighting, so um The anyway, battle does come out of the greenhouse. It soon. does, but yes, but that like the, at the moment they're just kinda like here mixing it up. Um and you know, Sabretooth kind of swipes at um Sabretooth swipes at uh wolverine gets a little bit of blood and kind of taunts him uh and then the fight just goes from here in a in a a great sequence of um panels by the way for the time you know you see you see them going at it which again spills out of you know aurora's room out into the pool um and magneto kind of comes up and tries to uh tries to help out by making some shackles and um betsy's like hold on Wait a minute. Um, while he's talking to, while Sabretooth is engaged with the Wolverine, we can find out what's going on here because I can probe his mind. So in, instead of doing that, let them fight. Why they do that? And sure enough, that's what happens. Um, Psylocke calms herself. You know, you know, puffs puffs out her chest and says it says it with her chest while they're fighting. And again, we get more battles of battles uh, battle panels because I'm going to refer to them. And sees a whole bunch of stuff uh, in Sabretooth's mind. Um, and we see the fact that Wolverine and and and, and Sabretooth have fought before. See the Marauders. We see a shadow of their master, but we kind of already know who that is. Um, but and we're also still at the same times. The fight is spilling out to the to out to the outskirts of the the property. Um. Where where Wolverine and Sabretooth are spill into the ocean, uh, Sabretooth is, is disappears and Rogue goes in against Wolverine, and Wolverine's like, yeah, we're gonna find this Joker <laughs> if it's the last one we do. And of course, after this, because of her bravery and everything that has happened, uh, we end off the book with um, Psylocke officially joining the X Men. After you know, after everything she's done and uh, her bravery and whatnot, mm-hmm. if she wants to be, and she's like, "Yep," and then they say, "Welcome to the team," and I said, "Gotcha." What's next on the reading order? Um, I believe that is Daredevil. Yep, Daredevil two thirty eight. All right. So you know what's funny about this is that Daredevil two thirty eight in the in the uh, the app reading order is right before two thirteen, mm-hmm. and this arc actually this event actually ends with Uncanny two fourteen as we mentioned earlier. Right. So it's going to run through Daredevil um, very quickly. It is a tangential story where uh, Sabretooth is basically taking a uh, run of the Morlock tunnels because there's no one living down there anymore. He runs into this gang of, you know, young toughs and he chases them out, but takes their woman hostage. Right. And implied and, and things are implied that uh, um, uh, that that might get a little bit um, uh, not safe for work here. But it turns out that uh, we flashed over to Daredevil, who um, who is uh, on patrol and see some 
uh, wild dogs uh, duking it out for territory and, 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 and watches them fight in an alley. Daredevil comes and uh, breaks up a mugging, but unbeknownst to him, the, 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 the potential mugging victim is someone who was running a store that got destroyed, uh, a, a little flower shop on 40th and 7th that was destroyed in uh, Daredevil's fight with Nuke during Born Again. All right, so this happens after Born Again. Oh, nice. So, Right. So, um, so uh, 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 Daredevil's like, well, well, you know, he still returns the guy's wallet, even though the guy really doesn't appreciate the fact that uh, the, a mugging had been uh, had been stopped. So, um, meanwhile, we have, um, uh, you know, there's a, there's an interlude with these kids who uh, these kids in New York who are uh, who are. Uh, whatchamacallit, who are, uh, you know, kind of fighting and watching uh, television, but they're getting mixed up with the wrong crowd. They're getting mixed up with the street gang type. Uh, you know, not really the most representative street gang types here because there isn't a single person of color here anywhere in New York in the 80s. Um, just looking at this page of uh, Tufts, maybe one. Um, so these uh, this particular gang has made its way into the Morlock Tunnels, having heard of the Morlock massacre, and um, they're making a, a, a ruckus and, and challenging each other for uh, different spaces um, under the, you know, uh, in, in the uh, the tunnels. And they rouse Sabretooth, and Sabretooth comes out, and the uh, the leader, the leader of this wannabe gang, is like, "Hide me, hide me!" So Sabretooth, oh gosh. So Sabretooth basically gets called out by uh, the one of the young kids that we were introduced to saying that, this is New York, buddy. These streets are protected by Daredevil. Mess with us. And he'll find you and beat you up. Oh, so that basically sicks Sabretooth on Daredevil. And Daredevil is basically hunted by Sabretooth. Unbeknownst to uh, Daredevil, Sabretooth has got, obviously, these... Um, animalistic senses and the ability to track. So he basically finds Daredevil without too much trouble. Um, they, uh, they duke it out, but uh, Daredevil is left trying to save innocents who get caught in the middle of their fight. Uh, meanwhile, we have the... Um, uh, it, it's all an allegory for uh, Sabretooth's animalistic instincts. So Daredevil is basically... Uh, working on uh, trying to uh, take down Sabretooth, and Sabretooth is learning things about Daredevil. Um, the parallel is a cat, uh, a domesticated cat chasing a mouse in a home. And uh, uh, Daredevil and Sabretooth are, uh, are, are on the verge of, um, you know, uh, of ending their battle. And... Uh, Daredevil puts Sabretooth through a wall, um, essentially ending the, you know, essentially ending the fight. Um, but what ends up happening is that they discover when Daredevil puts Sabretooth through a wall, the, the corpse of a dead Morlock who I guess had crawled into a space and, and ended up uh, getting killed there um, in, in like a crawl space or ended up dying in a crawl space. Sabretooth makes a move. And goes after and kills the young 
or at least tries to kill the young lady. That's right. Tries to kill the young lady he had taken hostage way back at the beginning of the book. Daredevil knocks him back and, uh, and, and Sabretooth makes a break for it while uh, Daredevil uh, tends to this young lady's wounds. And we find out that the young lady says that Sabretooth never really put a hand on her. Uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was weird that, uh, um, that he was scared and that he, that she sort of felt sorry for him. He's, he's a man trapped in an animal's body that he was confused. Um, like he had an ache that he could never fill, you know, basically, uh, likening him to a domesticated cat that kills for no reason because that's what it does instinctually. You know, and, and, and Wolverine, uh, I'm sorry. And, and Daredevil basically ends the issue by saying, that's why I was hunted just because I exist. So that's that. Yep. So as you can see, we're kind of, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about it in a minute once we finish this, but so now nope. we're kind of getting into the, the strangest part of this and not necessarily the most, um, climactic in to this whole affair, but uh, Uncanny X-Men number 214. Um, as you can see here, it's not like I will just do this and pull up the cover bigger. Because that would make a little bit more sense. All right. The start of this issue, um, weirdly enough, we're not in the tunnels. We're nowhere near where things are, were going on previously. But we are in some nightclub where Dazzler um, is... Uh, putting on a show, putting on a clinic, some would say. Right, I was about to say, it's a Lila Cheney show, actually. Mm. And she's uh, part of the band, as we mentioned earlier. But it seems like... Oh, is that Lila Cheney? I thought that was Dazzler. Because you remember we saw her her do her thing, but okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was about to say, when you open it, by the way, uh, the art on this issue is by Barry Windsor-Smith. He of Weapon X uh, uh, limited series in Marvel Comics Presents. Mm. So yeah, Lila is the lead singer, right? So she's the one with the guitar and Dazzler's playing keyboards and she's singing background. You can tell it's her by the earrings. Sure. Right, right, right. Okay. But the X-Men are there, most specifically Wolverine, Storm, Rogue, and uh, and Psylocke, um, who are basically taking a psychic reading of the place and some and um and um notices the psychic energy that is going on that that seems to be coming from from um dazzler and apparently they've realized well she's doing something even though we know you know she's doing this light show but there's other stuff going on um so they're basically there because they're warning her about the marauders um so that's why they're there um uh, Dazzler, or excuse me, I guess at this point, Malice, as Dazzler sees them out in the crowd and starts to um, shine the light on them and and um, a few other things, they're basically um, she basically hits them hits them with some light and some laser business um, you know, from, from Dazzler, or from Dazzler Malice, I guess I should probably say um and apparently there's some old business between uh Rogue and uh was that Rogue? Yeah. yeah. It's so, between Rogue and Dazzler from Dazzler's own series. Right. And apparently that Dazzler aka Malice is not really uh forgotten about, so it's coming out here. 
uh, Dazzler shoots at um, shoots a real big beam at Rogue. You know, makes a mess out of her outfit, but they start getting into a fight. Um, Storm, who uh, happens to catch Dazzler, is like, "All right, that's enough. That's enough. Let's stop all this fighting." Um, but Malice is like, well, "All right, let me get out of this body." Goes into another body and takes over. Takes over Wolverine, which didn't think he could do, but hey, it happens. So Wolverine starts going at folks, uh, and specifically Dazzler, who hits him with some eye beams, which we had never seen from her before. But obviously, she can concentrate light into you know into whatever she, into lasers. So stands the reason why she couldn't. Uh, Let's say a pause. Lame that the. Uh, Marvel Unlimited app does not have those two issues of Dazzler that has Rogue in them. Mm. It does, you know, it skips over them. Mm-hmm. Continue. Yeah, they're probably. Get, I was imagining they get to a Dazzler is probably not a priority for them at this point, sadly. Um, but yeah, so Dazzler's uh, Dazzler Dazzler actual Dazzler shoots at Malice Wolverine, who's coming at her, and. Um, and Storm kind of takes out Dazzler, thinking she's still um, going through a thrall or whatever the case may be. Wolverine collapses over, um, and Storm tells Rogue not to touch Wolverine to get away from him. And then it cuts to uh, some police dude outside in a SWAT gear um, who is outside the club. And some some passerby, whoever is telling him, is like, yeah, it's the mutant dazzler or whatever, whatever. Um, and he's got anti-mutant sentiments, so he's going through all his feels right now. Um, but back into the club, Rogue is take, gets taken over by Malice, looks like. Um, it starts flying around. And Storm's like, okay, wait, first is Dazzler, now then Wolverine, now, now Rogue. Um... It's getting taken over, and Rogue flies off because she wants to party or do whatever the case may be. Rogue Malice, whatever the case may be. Um, and Storm gets it. It's like, that's not Rogue. That's somebody else, but we don't know who. And Betsy's like, oh, it's Malice from the Marauders because, you know, she caught a sense of that um, while Rogue was possessed. Uh, Dazzler kind of wakes up and decides to... Um, join in for a second and they all talk for 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 a minute and they go after malice meanwhile we cut to rogue who's outside and causes some ruckus in front of cameras um and dazzler gets her attention with a little light show rogue kind of comes after her again i mean rogue that uh, rogue malice comes after her again because you kind of kind of say it like that um and blinds her and rogue comes through a window bessie tries to do her thing psychically uh, to get Malice out of Rogue's body, which seems to happen, but uh, Storm seems to be the next one on the list to get uh, possessed after this happens. But it seems like um... oh, and actually Malice is overestimating Storm because she thinks that uh, Storm still has her powers, which she does not. Um. And uh, she doesn't realize the fact that Storm doesn't have her powers until Rogue tries to exert control back over on her body, over her own body, rips off the choker off of her, um, off of her neck, 
And um, because, you know, this is Storm. She can't be tempted. She's, she's a G like that. <laughs> um, then we cut back outside to the um, to the um, to a reporter. And then we cut back to, you know, Dazzler and Storm talking and Dazzler talking about I want I need to turn myself in. And Storm's like, I don't know why you would do that, because this was not your fault. And she's also saying, like, do you really, really still want the spotlight? Um, to which uh, that's was like, yeah, I mean, that's not fair, but probably not wrong. Uh, then that's what asked, like, why was the Marauders trying to pick on her? Um, and Storm kind of explains whatever reasoning, which I don't know if that was a valid reason, but it was a reason nonetheless. Because basically, she was like, yeah, you have considerable power and you're a friend, so that's what, therefore, that's why she kind of came after you. Mm-hmm. And that you were the means to get to to the rest of them if I, i'm assuming if the rest of it failed or even if the rest uh the rest of the marauders hadn't failed i guess um so so they're still talking they've continued to to talk and dazzler's like um hey you know if i you know do, do you still take me after all of this and they were like yeah cool we're friends and wolverine comes for some strange reason comes after um, Storm's throat, mm-hmm. and everybody's thinking, and everybody's thinking that Wolverine got uh, possessed again. But um, it turns out not to be the case, and Wolverine just kind of lost control for no reason. Uh, but Wolverine says, "Like, no, I smelled malice on you, so." Um, that's that's why I went after her, but Brit uh Psylocke was like, No, 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 you were wrong. Um, Storm had a handle on things and she took over, she took back over control of herself and everything was fine, so you kinda messed up. Um and this is pretty much where the issue ends because after they're um after they're talking there, basically it's like, um, well um what I was going to add is Storm fights off Malice, but right. Malice is not defeated. She basically just retreats to another host, and that's where we end the issue. Malice is going to be an ongoing uh, thorn in the X-Men side for a long time. So this is not, you know, this is not the last we see of this, uh, uh, this Marauder. Right, that's right. Because we see at the end of the issue that um, the the um, the police dude with the with the machine gun, or I guess he's a machine gun. I don't tell him just you could put this right now and just be some gun toting stupid person. But anyway, um, with Malice's necklace, with Malice's choker on him, and monologuing about, hey, yeah, you didn't win, and Wolverine was right, and basically I'll be back, and that's where the um, that's where the issue ends. Right. And we have now hit the acknowledged ending of uh, the Mutant Massacre, except uh, Roddy Cat uh, forwarded to me the, uh, I guess it's the trade paperback collection of the Mutant Massacre. It actually includes many, many more issues that in, uh, include the aftermath that we are not talking about tonight because we've been on for a while. Well, we're not, yeah, no, we're not going to talk about that at all because I don't think, I think it's just, well, some of it's like after, a lot of it's like aftermath stuff from what I remember because like Fantastic Four versus X Men is after the fact. It has nothing to do with the Marauders and so is X Men versus Avengers. Like both of those have to do tangentially with the story because 
Fantastic Four versus X Men and X Men are about basically the X Men trying to save Kitty and they're going mm-hmm. to the Fantastic Four for help, but then a fight starts and you know all kind of confusion happens and Franklin's there and this is where when we talked about Fantastic Four, um, wait, was it was it Fantastic Four or was X Men? It was Fantastic Four versus plus X Men from a couple of months ago. This is where Kitty and Franklin's uh, relationship or friendship starts. Right, because because he's there and you know they're and they're battling and all kinds of stuff. But this is where basically where they get they get um they get friendly. And X Men versus Avengers is basically a surrounding the trial of Magneto because right. Magneto's the headmaster, and so he goes up um he goes up to the world court and obviously the the X Men are going to be there and the Avengers are there on the other side of that because you know Magneto's to them is still the villain. And uh, needs to be brought to justice, and of course, a fight ensues from that, and whatever else happens. So it's not necessarily mutant massacre, um, you know, uh, directly tied to, with the exception of Fantastic Four versus X Men. Right. But that being the case, yeah, like I said, we're not going to get into all that because that goes that basically goes off into other territory, and we are at the end of mutant massacre proper, which doesn't seem like a very proper end. Because there are still some folks that are still unaccounted uh, for, and the, the, the situation in the Morlock, you know, is well at this point is what it is. So, yeah, that's that's where we are with Mutant Massacre. So, what so what are your thoughts? Well, a couple of things, and uh, take this from someone who is a big Uncanny X Men uh, reader. Obviously, I have always joked and harped on my collection that goes back to Dark Phoenix till now. And um, but I'm not the most well-read Uncanny X-Men fan, apparently, because, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of the stuff I bought as uh, back issues and basically bought them, flipped through them and then put them away because I bought them as a back issue. So thank goodness for Marvel Unlimited, because now I'm going back and think and, and, and in a sense, these evergreen episodes that we're recording now, we are going over an event that I knew about but hadn't read. So I I've learned a lot of the small details of what has occurred, what occurs in these issues. And what's funny is that this, uh, this um, aftermath of the mutant massacre is far reaching, right? The uh, far, the after effects are far reaching specifically in the X books, not necessarily maybe the other tie in books, but definitely in the X books, because this led to, um, Basically, the first uh, big uh, X Men lineup change uh, for the um, the uh, all new, all different team. You know, for the giant size X Men team, basically. You know, but for Cyclops leaving and Thunderbird dying, and maybe Sunfire leaving. You know, this is a pretty big uh, lineup change where uh, uh, Shadowcat, Colossus, and um, and uh, what call it, and Nightcrawler are all taken off the board and uh, instead we have the fo- basically the uh, what 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 becomes the fall of the mutants team um, because in upcoming issues you know we we discussed the dazzler joining the team and Psylocke joining the team in two of the issues surrounding mutant massacre uh, in two more issues no three more issues no actually one two three four sorry it actually is a while to go still. But in several, uh, in, in only a few issues in, in the future, like five issues really, Havoc joins the team. 
And uh, this is the team that that uh, makes its way through um, the Fantastic Four uh, and X-Men uh, crossover and the uh, uh, X-Men versus the Avengers crossover, as well as Fall of the Mutants. So this particular iteration of the X-Men makes its way um, through some of the... Um, the the most famous uh, 80s storylines coming out of um you know coming uh, as a as a uh, uh in the aftermath of uh, the mutant massacre you know this is uh this is really um you know i i guess it's not uh it's not understated you know because they they, they call it the first x-men event and still the most brutal and i think Going forward, I may still be recommending people who want to pick up X-Men actually give this a read, even though it seems so antiquated. It seems harder to read. This is really where, um, you know, uh, I think the the, the, the history of, of uh, you know, kind of seismic change in the X-Men starts, you know, like where a big lineup, where a big lineup change kind of um, is, is set up. So... You know, looking back on this now, I'm like, oh, so this is how that particular group of X-Men that I really fell in love with came to be. So, yeah. it's you know, really, it's really an interesting uh, uh, storyline. It really is. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it's really intriguing to see what came out of it. Obviously, we see uh, Wolverine versus Sabretooth, you know, and that's obviously something very, very big uh, coming out of this. Right. And yeah, that's that's the one a lot of people know about. Um, so, but yeah, um, for myself, yeah, like I said, I was reading this in kind of real time because, like I said, I was I was definitely reading X Factor at the time because I was like, oh shoot, they bring back um, the, the 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 OGs, you know. And especially, I think I was reading I I was reading Fastest Four at the time, and that's when Jean Grey got her unearthed, and it was like, yeah, to be continued in X Factor, and all that kind of started from there, and. You know, obviously a big Avengers fan, which has nothing to do with this right now, but they come to play later on in the, um, you know, the X-Men Avengers stuff. Um, but yeah, this was, just, this was like, oh man, like even with what I knew of the X-Men go- coming to this, and you know, like I had read some and obviously, and obviously like uh, I was reading um, like Secret Wars, where, where they played a big part of, you know, a lot of that kind of um inferred my interest in them uh, you know before this and coming into this and obviously this is after Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2 where Secret Wars 2 is like eh but you know for the first big event like like this was like wow like they was really out here messing stuff up so this is basically what um got my interest you know back into the X-Men at the time, even though I was kind of coming and forward, and actually even after this, I was kind of still coming and going with it. Because it's like, all right, yeah, I'm not, I'm a more of an, X, uh, an Avengers fan than X Men. So, at a while, after a while, I kind of left it out. So that's why there are big holes in my X Men history. But some of the events I still kind of hold dear, like this one and Fall of the Mutants, and especially uh, Extinction Agenda, which I don't think we we might get time to do um, because of you know new books are coming back. But it is what it is. That being said, um, I guess real quick, clicks of the week if you got one. I know there's a lot of books. Psylocke. Oh, so two, uh, two, uh, 213? Yep. Yep, yep. I think that, I think, you know, and, and I think 210 mm. comes in a close second. 
Because I mean, that's oof, seriously, man. That it's it, it's it's some really really intense stuff going on. You know, with all the bodies hitting the floor. You know. I see what you did there. Seriously, like you know, the body count is just racking up, and it's just you know, it, it's so intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Psylocke issue, where, where she proves her mettle, where she fights off uh, Sabretooth and, 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 and shows um, a good head on her shoulders during the midst, in, in the midst of it, yeah. I think really, really goes a long way um, to, to making that uh, click of the week for me. Yeah. But oh. to say, I have to, no, I was just going to say, I was just, just going to add, but I have to say that uh, um, I think the very first issue is very 210. Yeah, I can't have 210. Yeah. 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 To start this whole ball rolling, like, yeah, this one stuff kind of gets off. Yeah. I also enjoyed 213 because, like, this was the issue that made me, even before, um, you know, Body Swap, Psylocke, like, this is what made me like her, like her a whole lot, like her a whole lot back then. I was like, okay, because first, because, you know, coming into this, she kind of comes off as, like, kind of, not necessarily milk shoppers, but she's kind of played the background a lot and unsure of herself and this and that. But this is kind of the one that was like, yeah, I was like, this is where she kind of starts coming into her own, you know, with her power set at the time. Um, but I think I might actually go with um, probably 212. Actually, no, 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 no. Actually, weirdly enough, it's either going to be 212 or probably uh, Thor 374. Uh, okay. And that's a weird one because it's like I was not 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 being a big Thor fan, but what happens in that book with him, you know, even though it kind of doesn't have it's in service of helping out with Mutant Massacre, but doesn't necessarily have to do with Mutant Massacre, meaning that you know what Hella did to him and she finally telling him, you know, mm-hmm. him coming across uh, him coming across the Marauders and fighting everybody and finding out he's getting weak and all that, and then at the end, obviously, the, you know, not obviously, I can't say saying that, but when he when he was like so mad that he was like all right i gotta let it out and cause out hella and that whole page where the, the swipe fire is just sweeping through everything you know that that that's a pretty great uh cinematic flair even for a comic book oh for real like i said thor going four yeah so yeah i'm thinking uh three three seven four is probably if, if, I, if not that or is either gonna be uncanny uh, two twelve I was about to say from the uh, from the Simonson fan on the panel, right? I give you props for that, man. Yeah, so this is going to be is either going to be Thor three seven three three more more than likely, and uh, with a shout out to seven. Uncanny yeah, three seven four, excuse me, yeah three mm-hmm. seven four and Uncanny two twelve because that's when like okay we've taken some lumps and now we got to kind of turn this around at the end gotcha. of it. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Absolutely, absolutely. So, All right, you cool. got any closing thoughts about this one? Oh, uh, just as a quick thing in the fandom article, and I didn't actually know this because I, uh, I think I probably read it and just forgot it. Originally, for under oh, motive, yeah. mm-hmm. originally it was stated that the massacre was held to remove quote wild card mutants such as the Morlocks. It was later revealed that due to his arrival twenty years prior to the present Earth six one six. The Dark Beast from Age of Apocalypse was responsible for the creation of the Morlocks using his world's Mr. Sinister's technology. Mm -hmm. Alt, the 616 Sinister, 
wanted all traces of his unwarranted material removed and had the marauders carry out the extermination of the Morlocks. Interesting. Yep. And also there's some stuff that came out of this that ends up uh, in, in front stuff to uh, X-Men and X-Men stories later on. But also, apparently, under trivia, under you probably saw that, that um, they were going to use Nimrod in the story which they had used uh, prior to this, but um, they was going to plan on using Nimrod to kill off the, uh, the the Morlocks with the Marauders, but this was later changed and the Morlocks were created. Or, uh, and say for Sabretooth and Vertigo, you know, used yeah, as the team. Yeah, they were previously existing characters, so. Right. So, but this, yeah, this, I, I read that part. Did you read it? I was like, huh? I was like, I kind of almost want to read it. Because as a matter of fact, when I looked at this page up and I saw that, I was like, hmm, I may possibly want to check this out. But this goes through a couple of different things mm-hmm. that I don't know about at the time. So I don't want to do that to myself. I was about to say, you know what? Even, you know, it, it, it sucks because we all know that, you know, if it wasn't for quarantine giving us a little bit of extra time on our hands, we ordinarily wouldn't have, we would have to make much more of an effort to make time to read stuff like this because we normally would be inundated with new books every week. And you know, we're always having trouble. What's my, what's my ongoing joke and Matt Wang's ongoing joke? I usually only get to read five or six books a week. Yeah. You average five a week. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, because of, uh, you know, because of a hectic schedule. You know, otherwise, you know, we, we we get our review copies and we only have so much time to read them before uh, we record and broadcast on Thursday evening. So, you know, it's usually about five or six, maybe seven at best a week. So, um, you know, I, I and, and, and otherwise we really don't have a lot of time to read back issues, but it, it's been a pleasure to be able to catch up on, on these things. And, and you know, and, and this is what helped convince me. I mean, I think I had, I had done it. I ordered Marvel Unlimited, but this has convinced me that this is definitely a worthwhile uh, investment just to have easy access to books that are not in my collection. Right. You know, it's it's obviously a waste to 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 read all these uncanny issues because I own all of them. You know, but um, but obviously there's there, there's ones that I don't own that go back further, and uh, you know all these tie-in issues, all these events. You know, I don't own these or I own maybe an issue or two and I missed out on the rest. So, um, you know, not that I'm harping on we're not sponsored by Marvel Unlimited or anything like that, but it's definitely been a worthwhile investment. Right. We, we definitely use the service and definitely have used the service. But, but yeah, this is definitely not an ad. So yeah. to, to, um, so to, we can go quickly into this. We've been running for almost four hours Wow, we may have to split this episode. We might. I'll see about that. I don't know. Just, you know, y'all will be all right. Uh, let's get to the last ad read, sir. Our last ad read of the night, because you know we've been going a long way, is keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, etc. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. All right, folks, and we here we go at the, the end of another Comic Book Chronicles. Thank you, each and every one of you, for coming out. I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter and, and uh, 
I was going to say Instagram, but whatever. Sure, why not? Um, News Nurse Need on Twitter and CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore Dirt on Twitter. PopCultureNet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com and his umbrella sites therein. Also, the Vine Alternative Byte, B-Y-T-E, under the terms uh, comic reviews, no vowels. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. C-B Cron on Twitter. That is the Cumber Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. TheClickNation.com. That's the K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. All one word. Uh, also, you can find him over at Comic Book Resources where he's doing his main thing, writing his face off uh, over there. You can find this here podcast on the Cold Slither Podcast Network. Uh, CSPN.us. Do it today. You hopefully will be able to find on YouTube somewhere the Close Slither uh, episode of GI Joe, even though it's not out there with the other officially other stuff. But hey, guess what? GI Joe is out there on um um uh, and they're streaming. Uh, so go check out those old you know um GI Joe episodes just for giggles. No, while you're reading this or something. Yep. That's not a plug. That's, that's just saying it's a thing you could do. You ain't got nothing else to do. Um, also, uh, you can find this at your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. We will be next back next week, maybe with some more new books if they're if they're worth uh, talking about. We we're definitely starting to get ramped back up with new comic book releases as we have seen today, and we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. So we will let you know whether we um, whether it's going to be some new comics or whether we're going to hit up another event. More than likely, we, we if it's looking like new comics is going to be back in in, in the style. So we'll see. Right. But we'll let you know on social media. Right. We may be alternating depending upon what's being released because of the uh, the, the 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 way they are patterning the release of new books mm-hmm. because. Uh, you know, they're, they're not trying to uh, go back to business as normal, obviously. So uh, we may be interspersing um, these evergreen topics, uh, you know, going back in the uh, the back issues, in the back issue pins. Uh, we're, we're interspersing them amongst uh, reviews of new books. Exactly. And on that note, see, like I said, we'll let you know on super social media. And also worth noting that I forgot to say at the top of the show, this is show episode 365 we have done a whole ah. year's worth of episodes as of this Damn. one Damn. Woo! so you can go back right now and start <laughs> off and be like and watch and listen to one today or watch one a day well we listen to one a day yeah seriously and there might be actually the account might may or may not be off so it might be some more out there hitting that we need to pull together but more than likely this is the official count yeah, 365. You can't handle the truth. Exactly. So with that, this has been the Comic Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs>